Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, and a busy week this week. We got you ready for the college football playoff on Tuesday with Bill Bender, the Sporting News, the NFL picks there. Also had the Sky Guys on, do the weekly coverage of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. That recap is out in that podcast feed and the Sky Guys podcast feed. Can you check that out as well? But today we'll wrap up the week and kick off the new year with the third podcast of the week, the third annual pop culture party on the podcast. Here have you with all of the big stories from 2021 in the world of pop culture. Can be joined in just a minute by our pop culture correspondent, Dan DeRosa, and our resident film critic, John Stanko. That is coming up right after this. All right, we are back here on the Just in the Suffering podcast holiday special, pop culture party number three in the books. And unfortunately, the COVID has been virtual for two years in a row, but we're still going to have some fun here. First up, the pop culture correspondent here, Sam DeRosa is here. Sam, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back on. And also with us, as always, on the pop culture party, our resident film critic, Barstool's own John Stanko. John, how are you? I am doing phenomenal. Mike Phillips, Sam, good to see you again. I know. I miss seeing your face around Iona. I know. It's been a minute. I haven't been able to torture you lately, but that's okay. Uh, we're here now. Yes. It's going to be a fun time. I've been looking forward to this. You can educate me on pop culture because I'm definitely falling out of the wayside in terms of the, the bar trivia pop culture. So I'm looking forward to learning some stuff. I'm here for it. Yeah, for sure. We are here for it. There's a lot going on this year. We're going to sort of break this up into sections here, trying to get easy for the audience to follow. We're going to do a couple here. We're going to do sort of general odds and ends at the beginning. Then we're going to do some HBO, some Disney Plus, some Netflix, some movies. And then we'll get at the end here. We'll give you the MVP and LVP of pop culture in 2021. That's going to be a fun challenge for us, right, Stanko? Yeah, I mean, it takes some thinking. I have some names in, my, in the hopper, but... um. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of losers this year, I think, safe to say. <laughs> I don't know why, but more losers came to mind than winners. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of losers. A lot of people got canceled. A lot of people got canceled. <laughs> a lot of people, I mean, whether it got canceled or not, I don't know. There's plenty to talk about, but unfortunately, a lot of it's on the negative side. But 2022 is coming. 22 positive is- vibes only. Positive vibes only. And I mean, we'll start with some of the mainstream things. Sam, we'll go back to May to the Super Bowl halftime show. Remember when we talked about the weekend's weird halftime show where he got lost in the box? Yes. Oh, my God. That seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. I, I, stank. I feel that was the meme for like about three weeks is him just going in the box. That's what I'm, I was about to say. It, let it, it created a gif that is still used <laughs> in pop culture today and just going through the manic looking lost. And then everyone going out onto the field. He had all those dancers dressed up like they're the mad people from us just yeah. with the bandages <laughs> on their face and stuff like that. Just, I'm not a huge fan of the weekend. I don't know a lot of his music. It was a memorable halftime show. I don't know if it was a good one but it was a memorable one. That's I'll say that. 
Yeah, and Sam, the way I think we talked about it, I think we had to give him a grade on a curve because he was doing the COVID halftime show where he had so many restrictions on what he could do. He couldn't use the field entirely. He lived in one section. I think for what he had to deal with, he did pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like, you always give a curve, especially for the unprecedented times that we always seem to be in. So, you know, I thought it was interesting. Again, I'm not a huge weekend fan as well, but for what it was, I was intrigued. I watched the whole thing, so I guess that gives it some credit. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk also some other things in terms of like the mainstream pop culture sphere. I think Stanko, I want to talk about the never-ending search for a Jeopardy host. I feel like that became such a storyline this year with all the guest hosts and we had the like Richards controversy. And now we have this weird tag team of Ken Jennings and Mayim Bialik doing it. So what do you think about this whole Jeopardy thing, how it's played out? One, I think they nailed it with, uh, how do you pronounce her last name again? I never pronounce it correctly. Bialik. Bialik. She is phenomenal. She hosted the uh, Professor's Tournament recently on Jeopardy, which was delightfully entertaining. And I love Ken Jennings. I'm a Ken Jennings fan. I think he's a great host. I know some people find him boring or a little dry, but I think he's really good. So I think they eventually have landed on at least a good temporary solution, though it won't be the permanent one going forward. What's crazy is, is they hired the producer to be the host of Jeopardy without doing the background on their own employee, which is bonkers. <laughs> I don't understand how that worked. I kind of want to give credit to Richards for worming his way in there and getting himself to the job because he was able to get his, to the top of the pedestal before it all came crumbling down underneath him. Um, I don't know who's more to blame or credit for his demise as a Jeopardy host, whether it be the Jeopardy backstage crew of different producers who let him get there, give them the credit for him for his rise and fall or the internet, which found everything he did bad, including old podcasts. And then they took him down. So it was a crazy back and forth, but who would have thought that Jeopardy would be in the limelight for such a long time in the year 2021? That's the crazy part. This show has been around for decades. And this year I heard more about Jeopardy than any other year in my life. Yeah, we had a lot of champions making big runs. And Sam, the crazy thing about the Mike Richards situation, if you think about it, is that like he only ended up getting the guest hosting job for two weeks because Ken James had gone off and filmed the chase. So he couldn't finish the original run. So he gets on there and he does a decent job. He ends up getting the job at the end. He gets fired because of his controversial past. He's not even on the show anymore. He, got, he lost the producer's job. So just imagine what different things could have been for him if Ken Jennings actually able to finish his run. We never would have heard of Mike Richards. Exactly. And honestly, he wasn't that bad. I remember watching him and I'm like, wow, he's actually really good. I like, I don't mind him as a host. When I found out about that, I'm like, how the heck did they let that slide? Who did, what was that like loophole that he went through for everybody to turn a blind eye to his being a cruddy person? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy. But again, I agree with you, Sam. He was a good host. Like, objectively speaking, just as a person on a TV screen with a microphone yes. in front of them, he knew what he was doing and he knew how to do it well. So it was crazy when that happened. I was a little, like, perplexed when he got the job, but I was like, he's going to do a good job. Like, he was good when he did his two-week run, but then it all came tumbling down. Now, I want to ask you guys. I don't know how enthusiastic Jeopardy watchers you guys are, but who was the worst guest host that you saw during the run where they were just giving people trial and error? Because there's only one right answer, and I'm going to see if you guys get it. Dr. Oz. Yes, Mike Phillips. Okay, <laughs> bonus points for you. He was bad, but uh, was it what was it? Like Katie Couric did it or something? Or I like, like Katie Couric. I thought she was good. I don't know what it was about her, but I was like, I do not like her. And I like her as a person, and I'm like, wow, I do not like her as a host. 
but I totally did not watch any of the Dr. Oz because I refused to watch it. So I wouldn't wow. even know Dr. Oz's performance because I literally refused to watch it. He was, he was the worst and it's hands down, not even close. Like my girlfriend and I were watching the episode. We were just like, it was despicable every time he had to talk. Yeah. We normally fast forward through the, the contestants describing themselves anyway, but even extra hard when Dr. Oz was the one asking the question. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear you talk any more than you have to. Yeah. Dr. Oz was bad. I, I got to say that. And also, I will say I was a bit disappointed. LeVar Burton didn't do as well as I thought he was going to do. No, and he had the internet love and push behind him. But Aaron Rodgers was better than Burton. Yeah, I think hands down. Joe Buck was better than Burton, I think, hands down as well. Yeah, the Aaron Rodgers thing, I don't know why, but I was a little surprised that he did better than Burton. He cared. That's I think the difference was that he actually put the time in. He watched the show. He took the time to learn pronunciations and learn the cadence of the show. Like, he puts the work in if he cares about the project. Yeah. And Rodgers had the snide, sarcastic, no, you got that wrong kind of vibe. Like, yeah. Alex Trebek wasn't afraid to call people stupid in his own unique <laughs> yeah. way. And Aaron Rodgers yeah. had that a little bit, too. Yeah, my moment of the year in Jeopardy, though, was when Aaron Rodgers was the guest host and the person didn't know the final Jeopardy and the answer was like, who ordered the, who, why kick the field goal in the NFC Championship game? And Aaron's like, yeah, I say like, great answer. <laughs> Not correct, but great answer. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. That, <laughs> that was, was really funny. Good. Yeah. All right. Let's go to another in reality show franchise that went through some hosting trials here. You two are big Bachelor fans. Who wants to take the lead here on the Chris Harrison thing? Sam. <laughs> I hope, I hope that you. our yeah i hope our responses came <laughs> off of what our faces both just <laughs> looked like um yeah so the chris harrison thing not surprised no offense to anybody listening who's a big chris harrison fan which i don't know who um when they said he wasn't coming back i was you know it was kind of like a nice refresh it was the same thing every season the same like lines the same like ebb and flow of everything so it was nice to have a different host um I didn't mind that like I love Tasha, so like I was all right with her gonna be in there um I am behind on Michelle season I know who won but like I'm still catching up on it because you know life is difficult um but you know what I I oddly enough liked the host situation in Bachelor in Paradise this when they were rotating them in yeah it was intriguing I just literally love David Spade I don't know what it is he was the best host he was the first one he was, he was the he was most so self-deprecating. He was great. I would love, like, if they were like, oh, you need to come back all the time. I'd be like, I'm so here for it because I just thought he did, was so funny. And saying he's like, he's a comedian who was able to smartly poke fun at the situation. He wasn't afraid to poke fun at himself. His final goodbye when he was in the car driving away, making fun of everyone else's like goodbye videos thing when he was just <laughs> pretending to be sad. It was incredible. It was, he was so the best funny. one. Oh my God. I just hope they like bring him back. I feel like he responded well with the audience. Like, I don't know who wouldn't respond well with David Spade. He was the best of the five that they had during paradise. I will say that little John was oh. more entertaining than I th- thought he would be. And because <laughs> you would hear his voice, they would do his voice before he appeared on the screen. Yeah. So he'd be like, yeah. And then the next thing would be him walking into the door. Like they would do his voice before he actually entered. And I enjoyed that bit that they had going. Honest to God, I feel like the only reason they had Lil John was because of the TikTok thing before he like was kind of like came onto the show. Because people would do like only respond in Lil John like, you know, mannerisms. And I feel yeah. like that like, you know, upped his, you know, popularity, I guess, of 2021. Yeah, it was good, though, though. It's interesting now. I mean, previewing a little bit to 2022, Jesse Palmer hosting The Bachelor, just stepping away from Caitlin Bristow and Tasha. They didn't even have Wells host The Bachelor, who was that a great was host it. in general. Insane. 
So they bring back Jesse Palmer and Clayton's not necessarily the most beloved bachelor contestant already. Like speaking for my girlfriend and I were not emotionally invested in him. Sorry. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's interesting. They, the 2022 is going to be interesting with the start of January, January 3rd, the new season. Cause I don't think it's going to get great ratings, but I don't think it's going to get positive vibes and they're doing back-to-back bachelor seasons. So they're going to have to really, yeah. I think they're already at the plan for a great second bachelor season this year. Cause this first one is not off to a hot start. No. And I'm really hoping that if this host bombs, uh, whatever his face is, cause I don't even bother to learn his name because I'm so Jesse Palmer. pissed. He was a, yeah. he was a bachelor though. He was yeah. a bachelor. And yeah, it's just, just like, they brought like, him back. Wells was the, you know, Wells did his time. He was the stupid bartender, you know, giving out advice and like doing all these things. And then they're like, they just skipped right over him. Yeah, but he's he's great on The Bachelor in Paradise. He's yeah. great when he does a sports commentary on the dates too. Like he's good at what he does and I he deserved a shot. And frankly, that would have been a huge like boost to the fans because they all love him too. Nobody dislikes Wells. Nobody. Yeah, no, and I'm curious Mike, about- as a huge Bachelor fan, you obviously love Wells too. <laughs> oh yeah, Wells, yes, Wells all the way. you love Wells. <laughs> If you don't love Wells, I don't know what's wrong with you. No, Wells is, Wells is the man. Yeah. yeah, so Chris Harrison, though, going bye-bye. I mean, not surprising, like Sam said. Um, it, it's crazy to think that Matt James's season and Rachel's thing happened. This like it All that leading to this, and it's just it's crazy that they packed so much Bachelor into a year. Oh, my they just, God. No break. Literally no breaks. No, it's just zero. pound, 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 pound. And so... It, I think Chris Harrison will land on his feet, give him five years. He'll be hosting some other show. Um, he's now engaged, I think, as well. Yes, I saw that. That was um, weird. So, uh, I mean, I'm happy for the new blood. I thought Caitlin Bristow and Tasha were fine during the Bachelor seasons. I don't think they were great. It's unfair putting any woman on screen when Tasha's there because Tasha is a goddess. I love her. All yes. human beings. Yes. Michael, Michael, have you seen Tasha? I have. She beautiful. is beautiful. beautiful. It is unfair godly like it's ungodly like it's not fair and so we were huge tasha and zach fans when they were together now they're unfortunately hope it was amicable i hope they're both happy i don't want any bad will coming out of that relationship but i I am excited for what a new bachelor host will do because i was a little tired of caitlin bristow and tasha but a little bit disappointed it's jesse palmer so i have a lot of a lot of angst going into the uh the bachelor season with clayton I do want to say, though, that, like, they did a good job for what they got thrown into. Like, I always yes, feel bad that we're be. always like, you know, we're always so critical about people. But I'm like, I feel like they were like, OK, just go do, do this. Just go, go, go. And then they just tried their hardest. And just because I love Tasha, So, you know, I mean, nobody dislikes Tasha. And I thought okay, Caitlin Bristow was better at right. the hosting thing yeah. than Tasha, But Tasha was better at the talking to the contestants when they needed a thing. Yes, that's what I got from the show. Everyone's up to their own interpretations or whatever. Um, I mean, we'll see. I'm. Just, it's crazy, though. It's like everyone loved Michelle as a bachelorette. Nobody liked Katie as the bachelorette. And you could see that in the way that Caitlin Bristow and Tasha uh, interacted with the contestants of The Bachelorette. I think it is or, obvious if you watch both seasons. Yeah, or how they just edited it. Yes, like correct. They, like, Katie, they're like, whatever, like, doesn't matter. And, like, Michelle, they've been doing a better time, like, yeah. creating stories and, you know, everything so i would agree i would agree all right let's move on from the bachelor i think we've given the bachelor's stands here a good amount of content here on this special but we'll throw a couple of things out here from the mainstream before we go into the civic areas here did either of you pay attention to the royal couple interview with oprah no i don't have a huge interest in the royals it is just an oversight of mine i the only thing i know about it is that downton abbey is a series that involves around the royals that's the only thing i know 
Okay, and the crown. Cool. Yeah, I was gonna say crown. I watched the crown. The crown <laughs> is like what I love. And I want to see Spencer, which had the shortest theatrical release ever. I, I'm gonna see Spencer as well. Question for you, Sam, since you watched The Crown. What did you think of Jillian Anderson's performance in The Crown? Ugh, um, I love Jillian Anderson as an actress, so I feel like I give her a little bit more like lead than I should. Um, but I was not really a huge fan. I Neither think was, was my girlfriend, but Jillian Anderson's winning all these awards for her thing in the crowd. But my girlfriend's like, she wasn't good. You're like, she wasn't great. So I'm a little bit yeah. confused about that. It, I didn't want the show. Was, I just know what to do. Okay. Okay. Well, you have to ask her about the whole, like the way that she did the Margaret Thatcher, like voice and like mannerisms was just a little too over. But then again, I guess I was not alive in the eighties. I was not in England. So maybe I just missed that whole aspect, but the crown is definitely something you should watch. It's very good. I mean, I have a feeling I would like it. It's just, it's just a matter of time. But Julian Anderson's in the news too, so I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but I don't know much about the Royals, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, okay, well, I don't either. I was, just, I was tossing it out there in case you, either you had any say on that. So I could care less about the Royals. As I had to mention, they had a big, big moment where they left the royal family and they had that tell-all on with Oprah. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I mean, if you want to go on an interview, who's going to give you the benefit of the doubt in every single question she asks, it's Oprah. Yes. So good job by by the exiting royal family to get Oprah as their interviewer for that PR stunt. Oprah had a good year. She got Adele, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't even watch that. I'm oddly enough not a huge Adele fan. I don't know anything about Adele's personal life. I just know her songs make me cry. Yeah. It's the only thing I know. Yeah, I'll throw a couple other things out here, quick hitters in terms of like stuff that stuck out to me in the mainstream. And I'll give a shout out to Alan Austin who couldn't join us tonight. But like in terms of, I don't know how much in the mainstream you guys were aware of this, but like we were the history made on the Big Brother show this summer. No. Okay, well. What happened on Big Brother? Because I know people who watch Big Brother religiously, but what happened? Okay, so now in the wake of like last year's, like all the, outcry for like racial equality and stuff like that cbs made a casting issue for all the reality shows that the cast are all gonna be 50 percent bipoc going forward black it is people of color so there was a, a alliance on that show of like six of the black contestants on the show all worked together they made the final six and guaranteed the first black winner in the history of the show so it was very interesting to see them come together uniting because a lot of them it was not in their best interest to work together but culturally they felt it was more important to work together and make sure the first black person won that show. I thought it was a very interesting situation that played out and we got unique context that we don't usually get on network TV. No. And you wonder if that ripple effect is going to affect other reality shows because they all feed on each other. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Well, CBS has done it for their big, their reality shows. I want to see if other networks start following suit on that. And the other thing I'll mention here, John, you guys on. Well, speaking of CBS reality shows, do you watch survivor? Mike, I believe you do. I have every season. Every season. I've heard Survivor this season stunk. I don't know. This is just me hanging around people who watch Survivor. They just said it was not good. There was too much chance. There was too much gimmicky rules and where everything was just made up on the fly. You could speak to it because I did not watch a single episode, but I heard a lot of talk about how it wasn't good. It's right. I will say this then. They are right that there were there were twists, way, way too many of them. The ca- the product production was just like sort of you know, all pent up from having a year and a half off from the COVID. And like, oh, well, let's throw everything in there. And it was a shame because the cast they had was really good. They had a bunch of dynamic personalities. They had a lot of fun people. They had a good mix of people from all sorts of backgrounds. The twist did ruin a lot, but I thought it was still a good season, in my opinion. Okay. And what about the editing during the final episode? Because I saw a lot of Instagram posts about that, about how one of the final contestants felt she got a really, 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 really bad edit. Yeah, the actual winner. 
got really bad at it in the beginning because the first half of the season, like she was barely shown on the show because this is something that Survivor always has a problem with is that they don't know how to edit women winners. That's something that's been an issue for them going back years. So this cat, this woman won the show. She, her, one of her main relationships on the show was not really shown at all that she didn't really show up again until like the last couple episodes. And they really force fed us this white dude to finish third and got no votes in the end. And somehow he was supposed to be the guy and all the casual fans like he got robbed. And I'm watching like, he was a terrible player. He just happened to get very lucky. No one respected him. <laughs> he got that far. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I know that Survivor got a lot of got a lot of talk because uh, speaking just where I work at Barstool, there's a lot of interest for the new season with the season off and everything like that. But it seemed to seem to be seemed to fall flat a little bit in terms of the expectations that people had for it. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. I like I I think I enjoyed it in spite of the twists and the, I think the cast really stayed for me. If it was a bad cast and bad twist. It would have been a really bummer season for me. Okay. All right. I will say, right. say your barstool friends go rewatch thirty nine if you want bad Survivor. Okay. All right. I'll go tell Tommy Smokes that. I'll ask him about season thirty nine and how bad it was. Oh, it was it was awful. It was like actual like personal like like me too issues with that season. That sounds like a complicating thing to edit and put on TV. And they did wow. they did very poorly with that one. I remember that one. That was from two years ago. I forgot to mention on Pop Culture Party one. That they had a bad year that year. Well, it seems like reality TV shows in general, besides Big Brother, maybe now having a breakthrough, have a problem with in putting uh, real life things into their reality TV shows. Yeah. So God knows the Bachelor universe has had that to circle back to that. They've had problems with that as well. So many. Yeah. And the other one I'll throw out here, mainstream, this came recently. Like, I don't know how many, and you guys are sports fans. Are you aware of the Madden doc coming out like two days before he died? Yeah, crazy. I haven't watched it yet because it's streaming sometime in January. And I plan on watching it because it came out on Christmas Day, right? Yeah, it came out Christmas Day right before the Packer-Brown game. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch yeah, it then. Yeah, I didn't catch but, that either. Yeah. But I've, I've only heard good things about it, and I plan on watching it when it starts streaming in January. That's what I know. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that he died two days after. Yeah, yeah, and apparently, I don't know if you heard the story, apparently like, he watched it with his family on Christmas Day, and like they were all there watching with him, and he saw the people talking about it. It was basically like, Basically, almost like having his own eulogy right then, which is like pretty crazy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. That's like top of my list of things to stream. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, yeah, Madden, like I, it's one of those things where no matter how old you are, you have a relationship to him. If you're older than us, you remember, I remember him a little bit from the announcing, but mainly from the video game. Yeah. Younger people than us, it's only the video game. John Madden, Madden video game. People before us, it was him as a coach, but then like him as a coach and then a broadcaster. So it, depending what generation you are, you lived with John Madden for four or five decades and he had an impact with you in football. So it's crazy that he died. And I think one of those like universally, everyone beloved him on Twitter and people like when he died, it was a super sad thing. So, yeah, literally I went on Instagram right afterwards. Like almost every other story I was reading had like an RIP John Madden post. It tells you yeah. how big an impact he had on the world as a whole. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, huge, huge. He popularized the turducken. He popularized pro football on Thanksgiving. Like he did, yeah. he did so much. And he was very, pers he brought personality to the broadcast booth, which is now what's most widely accepted out of a color commentator, not just smarts about the game, but having a personality as well. And Madden was part of that foraging process to push that forward. I will say also fun story of the dot. They do go into how the turducken became a thing with Madden. So that's another fun tidbit they go into. Oh yeah. We got Yeah. We got to watch that. One of my friends had never heard of their turducken in his life. And I was what? like, sir, you are 30 years old and you've watched football before. How do you not know the turducken? Yeah. So I don't know. All right. So that's, I want to wrap up the main section here, the odds and ends. Let's go into our different areas here. We got, I think we're going to save the movies for last year, but Sam, give me your pick first. You want to start HBO, Disney plus or Netflix? All right, uh, I'm going to do HBO. 
I don't know why, but I just picked HBO because I've been on HBO kick. Um, Give yeah, it. so let's go with HBO. All right, so how we're going to do this here, try and save some time, not keep us from going three hours here. So we're each going to give us the our Netflix top five, our HBO top five, basically, of the top five things you would recommend to watch from this year. So, Sam, since you picked HBO, you can go first. All right, well, I'm going to do a cop-out for one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to save that for the end because it – okay, I'm just going to save it for the end. All right, so first one, I'm going to do Mayor of Easton – or East Town, sorry yeah. – uh, that, I don't know why I said Easton. There I am. It's uh, a lovely 8.30 at night and I'm asleep. So I really enjoyed that one. White Lotus, of course. You know, that one's up there as well. Um, I enjoyed, not really, but I'm going to throw it out there because I feel like I respect it. And it is uh, In the Heights. That's my number three because that one came out first, you know, through streaming. And then uh, four, I have... This is my all-time favorite thing that HBO released uh, this year is Sex Lives of College Girls. I know as not girls, you guys are, you know, probably not very, like, inclined to watch. Excellent, <laughs> hands down my favorite. And my cop-out five is the Harry Potter reunion. It did not release yet as of right now, but I am so pumped for it that I don't even care. I'm going to include it on our list. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to choose a cop-out. It goes one one. The the H the uh, Harry Potter reunion comes out HBO Max. Yes, so excited! Like I am like tingling with excitement. Right, uh, Stanko, how you and I give our top five? Then we'll sort of touch on the ones we have in common. So I'll give you your top five. So my top five, just going through for a TV show for a new one for this year, I am going to pick The Mayor of Easttown as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really loved the show. Kate Winslet just dynamite. That final scene too, where they're going up in the attic, just. They should not do a second season. Just let it be at one. It was great. Um, in terms of the movie for HBO Max, you have to pick I Love Dune. Arguably my favorite movie of the year. Hands down, it's either number one or number two. That came out at HBO Max and theaters. So I think I have to count that. I have to count that one in my top five as well. Number three may shock you a little bit, Mike, but I'm going to go Zack Snyder's Justice League Ooh. because it was not bad. No, it was good. Dare I say it was not terrible. It was better than the original. Dare I say the internet was right. <laughs> and that the Zack Snyder version was better than the original. And I, I am surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I was surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Uh, and it really, it took me for a surprise with that one. Um, other things on HBO Max that I have to watch. I'm going to shout out one that I, that I maybe just watched that I really, really enjoyed. And that was King Richard. Um, yes. because it was the sign of Will Smith getting back into Hollywood and getting back into movies he's going to win awards for. He's going to campaign for it. It's it's an important talking point for movies in Hollywood to see how that movie does, I think, because it's a family affair sports movie with a star power in it that's well acted. Is it the best movie of the year? By far, no. But is it very good? Yes. So that movie intrigued me and I enjoyed it a lot. And for number five, I'm digging back to the well of old HBO, but I was just introduced to it this year. So she may be cheating a little bit, but The Wire. Yeah. I have watched seasons one and two. They are both excellent TV. Um, so my girlfriend and I are, are rotating between TV shows and TV seasons. We finished the first two. We'll be going back to season three after we finish The Witcher. And I cannot wait to go back to The Wire. So those would be my five. What did I say? I said Dune. I said Mayor of Easttown. I said Zack Snyder's Justice League. I said The Wire. And I said King Richard. Those are my five. 
All right, so in terms of the top five for me, I had the Snyder Cousin honorable mention in there because I think, again, you said, I talked on the podcast with Nick Ferreira. I talked about it with you a little bit. I loved it. We agree here. We chopped the epilogue off. It's a much better yes, product. The epilogue doesn't count. Get the, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. No, that doesn't count. No. It ends at the All end right. of the credit. Fine. That's it. All right. Number one for me. Maybe is, maybe yeah. the Green Martian thing, too. We yeah. don't need that either. That that's yeah. That whole entire thing was bad, too. All right. Number one for me is the White Lotus. And I think, John, you need to watch this show because this was phenomenal. It's so fun. Mike White does a great job. It's a tremendous satire. You have a lot of great actors in it. Uh, Alexander Dario. Uh, okay, here. Jennifer Coolidge is a breakout in this in this show. A lot of great actors. A lot of fun storylines in here. I love that show. Mayor Easttown's our common unifier here. I had number two. I loved it. We'll get more into that in a minute. Number three, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Season 11 was a lot of fun. More of a vintage throwback season. I loved it. And you had some good moments. You had some great all-time classic episodes. Anybody who likes Watermelon will know that love that season. You have to watch the show to get that reference. I got two documentary projects in here uh, on my list here. Alan versus Pharaoh was a very profound documentary to me. I didn't like that. About that. That one was a really powerful watch. I didn't enjoy that. And just for laughs and hilarity... There is a doc on there, six episodes, Small Town News. It follows a small news station in Las Vegas, and you see all these characters, and the people are absolute riot. And it's how Texas happens this station is trying to expand from a small town called Pahrump to Las Vegas in 2020. So you get COVID, you get the election, you see how they deal with all these things a lot, and these people are hysterical. I love that show. I, I have not heard of that small news. Now that that one intrigues me a little bit just because what we studied in college. So I think that we could all have a correlation to that a little bit. So yeah. that one intrigues me the most. White Lotus, I've heard good and bad. I've heard people who hated it. I've heard people that loved it. Um, I've heard there's a lot of just a lot of nudity, just a lot of balls. A lot oh, of yes, there are. Out. Just, just a lot wrong. of stuff happening sure. in that show. That is an accurate take. So uh, <laughs> I, I know it intrigues me because they're short episodes, which I like. Uh, they're, they're not short episodes. They are, it's six episodes. They're it, like an hour long. Oh, all right. Well, I was lied to then. Carry on. It is six, um, it's six episodes. No, 55 minutes so an six, hour. Maybe it's a short season or yeah, something. Short season. Know. Six episodes. Short season. So it's not a long commitment. Um, so it has intrigued me to watch. It's been on my watch list since it came out. I just haven't gotten to it yet because I've been watching The Wire when I've been watching an HBO TV show. Yeah. So, so it's uh, another good uh, documentary that I just watched this morning because I've had multiple people recommend it to me and I totally forgot about it because I watched it this morning, but Street Gang. Yeah. And it's about the documentary about Sesame Street. And I don't know if you guys grew up on Sesame Street. I did. Yeah. It was such a like eye opener of how it was made and why it was made. And it was it was so good. Like, I totally forgot I watched that this morning. Yeah, I did. I watched that a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty good. I do go into a lot of the stuff in the, in the background, especially how the show is developed about like, the Trump's trouble, like trying to like depict like a a diverse cast. The whole Roosevelt Franklin thing was interesting. How they retired the puppet because of complaints of parents. They had the, they went to the whole story again about what they did after Mister Hooper died. How they decided to write into the show stuff like that was all very interesting to see them go through that. That and that would never happen again. Like it yeah. was the only time that period, that small little window, and that's the only time it could have ever been made. So it's like the it's like an anomaly that would ever be produced. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Mary East down here. It seems to be our common pick out of HBO. Stanko, why did you love it? The acting was incredible. I think that's number one. Uh, again, you just go back to Kate Winslet. She was stunning. As the Philadelphia accent, she was great. She's a character with faults, but was still a reluctant hero. It was a perfect balance of it. It really was just incredibly well acted. Um, and I think the story was good, too, because it didn't treat you like you were stupid. It forced you to pay attention to the little things and the little things in a story and the acting and stuff. And 
I think one other kind of refreshing thing about it was that Kate Winslet's character in the story was she's a hero who's open to help. Yes. And this, she went to therapy and was like, I first bristled about it, but then she opened up to it. You know, typically the characters are like, I don't need any help. I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to be the hero by myself in my way. She allowed herself to grow as a character in the show, which allowed you as the watcher to grow with her. So it's an interesting take on a hero because I feel like they always try and make the hero burst through a wall to, to get to that final point of reconciliation for herself and for the plot. But with the mayor of Easttown, it was like a door. Kate Winslet opened the door, but invited you to go in with her. So that's uh, the way that she was written and the way Kate Winslet acted her out throughout the show. I thought that was incredibly well done and it really resonated with me. Yeah, Sam, what do you think about Mayor of Easttown? I've never, I'm a big Kate Winslet fan. Like, yes, I'm a big Titanic fan. I'm a huge holiday fan, but I haven't seen her in anything like this. So I really appreciated her work and her art in portraying Mare. Um, another thing that I liked is that it showed like, you know, it's like in the new American family like this, you know, it's like divorced, remarried, you know, getting together, showing that there is issues in society that causes issues in, within families. You know, they, they showed all different dynamics of family life. Um, you know, that might be me just being like the sociology minor that I was in college and just looking for weird different things. Um, I liked that I wasn't fully like guessing the entire thing. I guess the ending with the attic, like that was like right off the bat. Like from when she said that, that's where she discovered her son. I was like, that's exactly how they're gonna end the show. So that part wasn't very, you know, like for me, it was like, oh my goodness, like, blah, blah, blah. but there was other things like the whole uh, scene where she saves the girls. Like that was something I wasn't fully expecting, especially with, you know, what happened to her partner. I don't want to give too much away uh, to people who haven't heard, like seen it yet. Uh, so it was like, I was surprised at good spots. And to me, that's what keeps me entertained during a show. I have a very short attention span. And sometimes shows like this give me a hard time paying attention, but Again, I really hope that she gets she's I'm pretty sure she's nominated for the Emmy correct, or the Golden uh, Globe, correct? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I think she deserves it. I think she did a great job. Yeah. Also, the show's not afraid to make Kate Winslet ugly. She's a beautiful human being. Yes. And yet they made her seem a down to earth, stay at home, divorced mom, like not stay at home, but like lives at home with her mom, divorced mom, like. Yeah, they made her human. They didn't make her the beautiful actress that she can be, like in Titanic. It that was another that, ac that accent, I thought she did such a good job. I was like, this isn't Kate Winslet. Yeah. Like, the, it's probably too Winslet. thick. It's probably too thick, but who cares? It's for the show. I don't care. It works great. She's literally English. She has a great voice. Like, yeah. she did so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked. I'm looking at some of the awards this show got here. They did win three primetime Emmys for actors in the lead in the limited series category. Kate Lindsay obviously won for lead actress. Evan Peters won for supporting actor. Gene Smart was nominated for the supporting actress. Yeah, Julia Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Julia, Julia Nicholson, who plays her best friend, won in that category. And again, they did a good job. They have two separate mysteries going on here. They give you nice twists and turns. Kate Winslet's acting is great. The ensemble, they have a lot of good storylines going on. They don't feel like, feel like they don't short shrift anybody in it. There's a lot of good storylines going on here. And the twist at the end, I think, was a compelling one for the story as a whole. And again, as you mentioned before, the scene in the attic is perfect. And I think I'm with you, John. I know that there are rumors they're going to do a season two. I really don't think they should. I think this yeah. is one you should leave it alone. I would agree. I would agree. It should be if just you want to create answer. another show like it, great. Create another show like it, but set it in like the Midwest in a town in Nebraska 
in another small town with another type of different characters and stuff like that. Like kind of do detective. like a true detective, but in like a different setting like they did. And don't bring Mare back into it. Keep the same vibe of the show if you want. I'll step back into that world, but not the same exact character because it ended it so well. Ironically, this is kind of what, that's what White Lotus is going to do in season two. Is like they're going to basically take the idea, do a different hotel chain, a different property, and have like different characters pop up. I mean, you have one of the people show up as a guest of the hotel or something like that, but they're going to do the same kind of vibe with different people, story the anthology style. See, I'm like kind of annoyed that they're going to do that. I feel like, and that's another thing that should have been just like, there it is. It's done. It's out of the way. We tried it. We had some good reviews. We had some bad reviews, but like move on. Cause I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be so excited about season two of White Lotus. Like for me, I'm all the way down season two of White Lotus. I would love to see another one of those. Like this one, I'm okay with them wrapping it up here and saying, okay, season one, seven episodes, we're out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like, I liked White Lotus a lot. Like it's on my top, top five. Um, for me, I have like, I've, sadly forgot about dune because that one was a mind thing it was beautifully shot and stuff i just feel like you know i wasn't in theater so i didn't get the same effect as others um but i feel like hbo didn't have as much like things that i was excited about this year i don't know i feel like h that's why i started with hbo it was like things that i really liked like i know none of you had sex lives with college girls on there uh they said that was great and everything which was filmed at vassar by the way uh, in Poughkeepsie, oh. New York, uh, which was really cool. Cause I'm like, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was a great story that was with Mindy calling. And I just wanted to shout that out real fast because I feel like she deserves a million times credit because it was a very like modern look at colleges, especially having a woman's perspective on it. Um, but again, I feel like, you know, HBO, which I'm usually so excited to talk about and see their shows. I didn't have as much this, this year. Yeah, I think this year the big moment was obviously Succession, which none of us really watched, which is why we haven't talked about it yet. So I know Alan was going to be the Succession guy if he was here, but he did give it two thumbs up. So it was a very good season and he was watching. And I meant to ask you, Sam, surprised you not forgot the Friends reunion on HBO Max. Yeah, um, I'm, you know, mm, I don't know. I really liked it, but it it wasn't a TV show. Um, like, I know I'm saying that about Harry Potter. I'm literally just going on hype right now with Harry Potter. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like I was full blown hype for friends. As you can see, like my whole friend shelf behind me. Uh, but like, it wasn't to me, like, you know, it's not exactly what I wanted. I don't like James Corden. I'm sorry. I just do not like that guy. He ruined the entire reunion for me. Entire thing ruined it, soiled it like to quote, uh, lovely SpongeBob, but um, yeah, no, I just, I wasn't a fan for the fact I love the reunion of them meeting in the state, like the sound stage and everything, but it was just like the format I was not a fan of. Too many guest stars? Too many guest stars. I don't know why Justin Bieber had to be there. I don't know why Kara, what's her face, and she's beautiful and everything. Like, I don't know why they had to have a fashion show. Like, I don't understand any of that, but. Stanko, did you, ch did you check this out? I have, I, I've maybe seen three episodes of friends I can remember in my life. So I had zero interest in checking out this reunion. <laughs> I, I know my girlfriend's going to check out the Harry Potter one. Call me when there's a Lord of the Rings reunion, because then I'll be on my TV watching every single second of it. But I'll have to watch uh, the TV show. Yeah. There's one, the TV show called Amazon prime. There is that. Don't get me worried. The budget for that is bigger than any season of game of Thrones. I'm stoked. <laughs> Like, and also it was the 25th anniversary of Lord of the Rings released a couple of weeks ago. Man, my girlfriend watched the extended edition on the day. Like, give me in two years when it's the 25th anniversary of Lord of the Rings Return of the King and they have a reunion show for everything Lord of the Rings, I'll be front and center watching it. But until then, I'm going to step back from these reunion shows. 
All right, for sure. Let's move on from HBL. Let's go another direction. Stanko, where would you like to go next? Uh, let's dabble in Netflix because that's the one that most people know. Yeah, Netflix is a lot of fun. I have, I feel like a lot of fun stuff came out in Netflix this year. Give me your top five, Stanko, from this from this year Netflix. All right. Well, first of all, my first one is going to be a part of three because it's the Fierce Free Trilogy. Mike, me and you have talked about this before. Um, huge fan of them. I, I, they blew me away in July. I was not expecting a horror treat in the in the heat of summer. But when these movies came out, it felt like an event for me. And I was incredibly excited. Um, they're well acted. They introduced me to new stars and they're just incredibly well made. You can tell they're made with a singular purpose and they really entertain me. So for my first pick, I'm picking three of them, and I will not feel sorry about that for all at all. Um, in terms of other things that, that stick out for me, um, probably going to have to go with two movies right off the bat that just came out recently. The Power of the Dog, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, he was incredible in it. He should win Best Actor. That movie was amazing. Maybe my favorite movie of the year. Uh, Andrew Garfield was wonderful in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, which was really good as well. Something that I don't think expected. I expected to be as moved by it as I was, but he was great in that movie and the ending of it kind of really resonates with you. Uh, did for me um, in terms of someone approaching their thirties, trying to find a purpose in their life and making a legacy for themselves, trying to get a, you know, in the therapy session here, but it was really well done. Um, a fun thing I saw on Netflix this year, though I liked more than I thought it would was the movie, the harder they fall. Have any of you guys seen that movie? The harder they fall. I have not. So it's like it's like this cowboy movie, but it's set in like it's like made like it's made like uh, it's got like like black gangster style themes to it with like cool songs, like rap songs in the background. And it's like basically it's like a black exploitation movie, like back like Black Dynamite, where they acted everything up and everyone acted gusto with one liners and stuff. But the vibe of this movie was awesome. The cast was incredible. The soundtrack's knob is in the shortlist to be nominated for the Oscars, I think, and or at least an original song is. Everything about this movie was a vibe. And I was like, I expected this movie to be like a C, just like an enjoyable action movie with some with some cowboy Western themes. But it was awesome. You had Idris Elba just being cool as the other side of the pillow. Like everything about this movie was really cool and really suave. So I really loved that. So I would recommend everyone watch that. And then for my fifth, I didn't watch a ton of great TV on Netflix this year. Granted, I'm not the biggest TV guy as Sam is. So I'm going to go with something I'm watching right now, and that's The Witcher. Uh, because I'm super invested in this season. I finished all the books for The Witcher this year, uh, all the entire book series. I read up on the lore. I played the video games. Like It's one of those things where I'm diving deep in, into like Witcher Wikipedia articles to find the lineage of the elder blood. Like that's I don't do this for every show that I watch, but The Witcher is that show right now. We're halfway through it. Um, it's one of those shows I don't want to binge, because if you binge it, you don't appreciate the story that it's telling throughout, I think. And we're taking it episode by episode, but that'll be my number five. So what did I say? I said the Fierce Street Trilogy, The Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Harder They Fall, and The Witcher series. Those are my five on Netflix as of right now. All right, Sam, what about your five? All right, so I went with Mike's recommendation. Uh, sorry, Sanko, I was a little too scared about the fear movies things, the part threes. Um, I am a baby and I do not like to be scared unless it's a ghost story and they give me extensive backstory to the background of the ghost but I digress so I have Midnight Mass on there I really enjoyed Midnight Mass uh that was that was incredible I watched that in I think three days you know and that was me taking my time I just really wanted to know what happened um I'm sure Mike that you'll also have that on there but I don't want to steal that thunder I also have Tick Tick Boom 
on there Ooh. as well. I uh, I'm a little depressed from watching it. <laughs> Not gonna lie, as being almost thirty and like resonating with that. And then I'm gonna follow up with Inside by Bo Burnham. I don't know if anybody has watched that. If you would like to be depressed as well, also watch that. I highly suggest it. But it's another thing like Tick Tick Boom. It's such. Uh, it, he did a, an amazing job. He filmed wrote, direct, produced, like, you know, did the lighting, did everything um, in like his little guest house in LA. And it's a very interesting insight into mental health, into our, you know, views on like technology. He also turns 30 in it as well. And he just sits there and waits for the clock to turn to like midnight on his like 30th birthday. And he's like, yay like I'm 30 you know like I mean it's just like it's just an interesting thing like for people our age you know getting older but like also feeling like we haven't accomplished anything it's a very interesting that like I feel that way I'm sure like you know watching these two show movies uh once you know a comedy special but you know uh, I just never seen anything like that and I I feel like he did an amazing job uh, I also like little asterisk, like be in the right mental state to watch it as well. Mm -hmm. So that was three. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Um, I'm going to do uh, Sex Education Season 2. That came out this year. My girlfriend so, loves that show as well. Okay, Love well, it. me and your girlfriend would be like best friends. I feel like we have the same interests. Uh, so put in that application for friendship for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, literally like, Gillian Anderson does an amazing job. Uh, that's something, if you haven't seen it, please watch it if you have the time. I know we all have lived crazy lives. That has such an interesting insight uh, just into like just people's lives and like sexuality and how we define ourselves. And, you know, growing up, I like, I know that we're older than the characters, but it's just very interesting. Um, and the actors that you hate in the beginning of season one, you now are rooting for and you love them so much. And uh, just because I'm just going to skip because the year's three movies that I have on here, because I had a lot for Netflix this year, um, I'm going to just do the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, I'm going to throw that in the Netflix one. I don't know if you've seen that, yeah. uh, but it is it was surprisingly good. It felt more like a television show to me because it was like, you know, short and kid like, you know, childish. But it was another good look at a family dynamic that was different. And it was silly. It was goofy, but it had... I don't know. It just had a great message. And I thought it was really funny. I was like very enjoyed. Like I enjoyed myself um, on TikTok. I follow this guy like straw hat goofy or something. Uh, he says like, I highly suggest this movie. And of course I take strangers opinions. Uh, so I definitely would suggest that one as well. Uh, so yeah, those are my top five. Sorry to be long winded. Um, but definitely my suggestions are great. <laughs> All right. So I will do my suggestion. There's a couple, a little bit of overlap with each of your lists, but number one, I'm surprised that you did not mention this, Sam. Squid Game. I, I feel like it is oh, yeah. the the must. I yeah, the must this watch. Did a thing. bad job with my list <laughs> this year. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, Squid Game, number one must watch thing on Netflix this year. I mean, watch it in the original Korean. Don't don't dub if you can. If you can, if you have don't yeah don't dub if you have the choice. Love that show. Very unique. Very original. Number two, I'm going with the Midnight Mass as well, and. Alan had his, his one of his favorite shows of the year. I'll get Stanko's take on that. Man, I know he's not as high on it as we are. I'm going to make Stanko have to put the Fierce Deep trilogy all in there at number three on my list. I loved all those movies. They were a lot of fun. Number four, The Circle, seasons two and three came out this year. I enjoyed that show so much. And 
These people are so wacky. I did enjoy that. And, you know, I'm a rally TV junkie, so I love that kind of stuff. And number five, Death to 2021, the special again, where they did the mockumentary about saying goodbye to 2021. It came out just two days ago, and it was so funny. And I think enjoyed that a lot. And I know this is a little cheesier this year. They had some Netflix, like, pr- promotion in there. But the general mystery was funny. And Kristen Milioti, again, steals the show as the now anti-vaxxer Karen. <laughs> I've heard good things about the end of twenty uh, end of year twenty twenty one. If you like that type of humor and that stuff, it's a knock out of the park. I've only heard positive things. It, it's phenomenal. But let me go to you, Stanko, first. Why were you why are you down on Midnight Mass compared to me and Sam? Um, I didn't like the finale. Is is really the honest answer? The last episode I honestly thought was the weakest of the entire show. I thought they rushed to finish some character arcs in that episode. Um. I, I have some suggestions for the writers. Like, I why did the father and the mother go to the random bridge to bring their estranged, to bring their hidden daughter to? Like, what significance did that bridge have whatsoever? It was never hinted at in the script at all. They just brought them to the bridge. It was her favorite bridge as a child. No, it was never mentioned before. They just put that in the last episode. Have, like, have the priest, have Father Pruitt, Monsignor Pruitt, Walk walk by that bridge during an earlier episode, look down on it fondly, not tell the audience why, and then have the revelation later in life. So, you know, he's drawing connections to his past and present and giving some impact to that bridge, not just throw it in the script. There's my suggestion for you, writing crew. Just like, I didn't love the finale, and it, it I enjoyed the show a lot, but the last episode really left me longing for more. So in terms of Mike Flanagan horror stuff, it's a clear number three for me, and it's not as good as uh, Haunting on Hill House or Bly Manor. All right, and Sam, we did Squid Game on the podcast, so give me your quick, like, two seconds here about why people should watch this again. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an original idea. You know, I feel like we don't get a lot of original ideas anymore. It's the remake of a video game like The Witcher, which is amazing. I'm only two episodes in, and I had to throw that in there because I didn't mention it in my top five. Uh, but Squid Game's, like, you know, it's all these characters that are, like, you know, crappy individuals but you end up rooting rooting for like they're you know you root for the bad guys basically and they're all bad guys in their own way um and it's like twists that you might not necessarily see and you know especially because i know that we talk a lot about it um but again i watched the dub version the first time in english and i watched it again in like korean and it was so much better not in english yeah (laughs) yeah stanko did you get to this no, I have not watched Squid Games yet. I have not. I'm going to be honest with you. It's probably going to be a summer of 2022 watch for me when I have more free time, and I'll be a year behind everybody, but that's okay. I know what the big doll does. I get the red light, green light thing. I get the whole, I just, I'm not in on it yet. I just haven't, just haven't watched it. Yeah, there's going to be some fun. The thing I will say, though, to Sam's point, this show does lend itself very nicely to a rewatch after you watch the first time. There are things you go back and you look, they do leave you lots of breadcrumbs of things in there. I think it's a cool, like once you get, you'll be tempted to go back and check again and see what you missed. Yeah. And then I'm also afraid about the second season. I don't know. Like I've had more time to sit on it and I'm like, I, I understand where they can go with it, but I'm also very scared on how it's going to like turn out. Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel the same, Mike? For me, I would love for them to go the prequel route for the for the second season and then okay. go back to the current story for season three. I think we need this, the prequel before we try and follow what they, where they left us at the end of season one. Yeah, I'm, you know, hopefully our love, this lovely podcast of yours makes it to the Netflix execs. <laughs> yeah, we get our way. Yeah. Also, I'll throw out here, uh, Stanko, you want to power rank the Fear Street movies? 
Ooh. I'm going 3-1-2. 3-1-2. So was that 1666, 1970? 94 a second. It was one. Yeah. So 1666, 1994, and then what was 1960-something? 1978. 1978. So, yeah, 1666, 1994, uh, 1978. Yeah. I had the exact same order. I think – I want to see them. I think they could go back to this at some point because they did leave a teaser in the in the end of sixteen sixty six. They could go back to this franchise again, and not for nothing. I like to see them sort of look at some of these other killers in the in the franchise that we that we didn't really get much of. Like the milk crate kid, think she definitely should have his own movie. Yeah, I I love this this format where they film this trilogy together in order and then released it like a show, but it's a trilogy back to back to back. Yes, like. Part of the part of my scared with TV is I admit it, it's a long commitment. Episodes coming out every week, an hour every week. It's just a lot for me. Movie, you sit down, finite, boom, boom. This blended both aspects of what makes TV good with the week by week anticipation, but also for me, the movie of finite start and end. So if they continue doing this type of method with like especially horror, which is the easiest kind of like create a quick horror story, make it through three movies, make it congruent. Like I love this format. So if they continue doing that, all for it. Before we move on from Netflix, I have to ask both of you guys. Either of you watch Red Notice. Sucked ass. <laughs> That's Go why on. I didn't it, watch it. <laughs> just an absolute piece of vile filth. Just despicable. Gal Gadot, bad actress. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. I am on a stance now. Imagine if Emily Blunt, who was great in Jungle Cruise and made that movie better than I had any right to be, imagine if she had the career of Gal Gadot. The world would be a better place. Yeah. And a funnier place. Justice. <laughs> I do. What good movie has Gal Gadot been in? Name one. One, the first Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. That's it. Everything after that, shit. Yeah, I didn't realize you're such a Gal Gadot hater, Stanko. I am a newly found Gal Gadot hater because Red Notice gets all the views. It's the Rock most watched movie of all time. It's still a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of people blowing the Rock's dick for movies and getting the most views. Tired of it. Yeah. Rock the Rock. So do something good. else. I love The Rock. Do something else. Ryan Reynolds, do something else. You're not Deadpool in every single fucking movie you watch. And Gal Gadot, take an acting lesson. Yeah. I think that's... This. That's how much I dislike Red Notice. I am so angry with how much love that it got. And people watching and saying, oh, it's a great action movie. It's a <laughs> the best part of Red Notice was when Ryan Reynolds' character whispered or whistled the tune of Indiana Jones because it was referencing an actual good movie and not the piece of garbage that it was. Yeah, I believe we actually have audio from Stanko's house when he was watching this movie. Oh my god! I think this yeah, is- it was shit. I was so <laughs> angry. I was watching it was oh, just an abysmal piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah. And for the people that familiar with the history of Red Notice here, I think it was supposed to be made into an actual theatrical release. Then COVID made it become a distressed asset. Netflix picked it up. Apparently, had a bunch of rewrites and they turned it into what it is. It's a it's horrendous CGI. Every single film, every single scene is like a different scene from a video game, just in a different place, filmed on a soundstage together. It it was the budget for this movie. It should have been so much better than it was. It had the possibility of being something really cool, but instead it's just a piece of wasted space on the app. And everyone watched it and people go watch something else. And there's going to be a second one because I already watched it. Yes, and I'm going to watch it because I'm a fiend for punishment, and I will torture myself watching and hating every single second of it. Yeah, and here's a preview clip of what Stanko's going to be saying after watching the second clip of what we have read notice. They stink! 
Yes. <laughs> Speaking to the writing room that approved every single line of dialogue and shit written in Red Notice. Yeah. They're put on notice by me. They don't care, they don't care <laughs> about the writing. They got Gal Gadot, the Dwayne Rock Johnson, and Ryan freaking Reynolds. Yeah. I don't care That's how why. They Ryan don't Reynolds care. is. Ryan they Reynolds can smolder all he wants. He cannot save Red Notice. All right, let's let Red Notice aside here. Because I'm slamming the table and I'm yeah. ruining the audio levels for the podcast, <laughs> but I am. He has aggravated me. At the risk of further aggravation here, did you watch Tiger King 2? No, I, <laughs> I did not subject myself to that torture. Let's I, I refuse to. I What possibly could they... That thing went by, I heard about it for maybe an hour, and then once it was released, I never heard about it again. It must have been terrible because there was no longevity to it at all. Oh, it was. You, I, okay. I'll tell you this much. You not need to watch the show. You can listen to me and Sam talk about it on the pop culture on the hot on the on the black on the black Cyber Monday pop culture special. We talked about Tiger King season two. Apparently, since then they released a three episode miniseries about Doc Antle on there. They cannot get enough Tiger King. Damn, who's watching this? Like, let it die. Gosh. See, people who are watching Red Notice are watching. Probably. Tiger King. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Did either also did any of you watch Bridgerton? I'm not getting into that this year. Yes. I forgot about Bridgerton. What's wrong yeah, with now me? Sam is horny. Yes, a little <laughs> bit. It was so it was so good. Like, if you guys haven't seen it, it is what it is. It's like a smutty show. You walk in bar low, it's gonna exceed your expectations. That's a ring endorsement. Mean, listen, my girlfriend loved the show. Like I just, I the, sh- the show is not made for guys. It's just not. It's not. It's fine. It, guys can watch it, maybe enjoy it. There. There's some, yeah, some good looking women. What was the What was the scene? There was a scene in it I saw where a guy was basically like, I refused. Like someone, like someone refused to have their child. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like Ooh. I was. You know, like the new TikTok meme going around going emotional damage. Yeah. I was like, I thought that when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, that guy's worthless. He refused to give birth to her children. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, he like he lied to say, like, you know, like he, he couldn't have kids. And yeah, like the pull out system. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, shit. But so I know they're making like a, a second season. Like they're making a second books. season and it's going to do numbers. I have no doubt. Yeah, it's coming no out in March, I believe. So um, I don't know, but I, every, every woman I've talked to has enjoyed watching that show. It's like, it passes the time. Like, what are you going to, you know what I mean? Like I would come home, watch one episode, you know, do like eat dinner, watch another one. It's just like, it's such an easy, simple show that you don't have to think about. And that's probably why I didn't remember it even came out this year. All right. Let's move on from Netflix. Let's go to Disney plus for a little bit here. Cause I think Netflix, I think we've beaten it to death enough here. So Yes, the smuttiness of Bridgerton segueing to the cleansiness of Disney. Good job, Mike Phillips. Good segue. Great segue. (laughs) That's why I am the the professional here. (laughs) All right, so Disney Plus, I think there's a couple of distinct things here. I think, Sam, you are going to have to rank all the Marvel shows. That really was the big thing for this year. I know Stanko did not watch any of them, so... I tried WandaVision, guys. I tried. I really did. What do you mean you just tried? I just didn't like it. I got through two episodes, and I was like, I don't enjoy this show. You could have skipped the two episodes and just started on three. That that doesn't make sense for a TV show. You can't just have two filler episodes to start a series. Yeah, okay. But like, you know, you get through the dry part and then it gets a little more ball rolling. I'm sorry. I just, I, you guys can talk about it. I will not besmirch. I know I am in the minority. It is fine. I accept it. Yeah. And this was, this is, I also pulled audio of John Stanko attempting to watch WandaVision. He's sitting there just going. 
Why am I supposed to care about vision? Why? What, what? iota of me has me caring about vision? He's the he's cool. He's a cool dude. No, he's not. He's a <laughs> dork with no charisma in any of the movies whatsoever. What, what made you care about no him in the movies? Charisma. He's a machine. Exactly. That's why I don't give a shit about him. He tries. <laughs> Mr. Paul would not be happy with you right now. All right. So no, I have nothing against nothing against Paul Bendy. Fine. I love Very that. Very good actor. Watch a Knight's Tale. He's delightful. I love him. But I'm sorry. Just was not for me. All right, so Sam, let's quickly go here. Let's rank the the, the five Marvel shows here on Disney Plus. How do you rank them? Okay, well, yeah, I didn't have all five of my choosing being all Marvel. Surprise! No, I so like, I, will... I think this is a clear separate exercise where we have to. I think we have to acknowledge they're all there. We just rank them real quick, and then you can do, do the top okay. five. Okay, I got you. So I'll have like the whole six thing. Yeah. So up first, I have, sorry, Stanko, WandaVision. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I liked how they told the story of Wanda and Vision. I know that you're probably annoyed with me, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, and that each, <laughs> each uh, season was a different type of sitcom, and I thought that was new and creative. I also had extremely like a low bar of expectations going in. I know that I have on record that this was going to be a complete bomb and I was going to hate it. So I ate my words and I actually enjoyed it. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens with Wanda now. The next thing I really liked was Loki. Uh, I liked having more Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I liked the character Loki. I liked the whole, you know, we saw a different version of him that, you know, doesn't know what happened with him and Thor and he learned and adapted and started to care. Uh, then I liked What If, which was another one that I did not think I was going to like, which now is going to help me understand more Marvel things down the road. Uh, that one was interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of the zombie thing. I'm not going to lie. Even I, as much as I like The Walking Dead, you know, earlier on, I don't mind the zombie thing. But um, I liked that there was different versions of Marvel and different universes. And it got me, you know, more, I don't know what the word is I'm thinking of. I digress. Anywho, I did enjoy Hawkeye. Didn't think I was going to enjoy Hawkeye either. Uh, love you, Lena. I know, uh, Stanko, you love Florence. And I, too, love Florence. Uh, so I thought that her bringing her in bringing Fisk in, bringing the, you know, possibility of Matt Murdock, like, you know, intersecting all these circles. Oh, spoilers. Then, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Where's your little, I usually get an alarm whenever I'm on. Where's my little alarm? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, lastly, and I'm not going to lie, I do love both characters so, so much. Um, the, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's the last one on there. Uh, I, uh, it felt like a very long movie. I did enjoy it. I love that it came out March, April. There's not a lot going on that time. March is a crappy month. I know that's our birthday month, Mike, but it's a crappy month. So it was like a nice thing to have to tide us over. Um, but my last thing that, you know, that didn't even make my list of top five for Disney plus, uh, Luca was, you know, in there too. That was like my favorite movie that came out on Disney plus this year. I'm not too sure if anybody saw it. Uh, it highly suggested. Suggested. <laughs> so to be clear, that your top five is four Marvel shows and Luca. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So to, to to give my Marvel order here, I had Hawkeye number one. Actually, I loved it the most of all the shows. It actually made me care for Jeremy Renner's character, which I didn't think I'd ever do. 
Number two was Loki. Three was WandaVision. Four is What If, and I'm with you five, Falcon and Winter Soldier. The pacing was awful on that show. There were good moments. There were bad moments. The pacing was off. I'll say that in there. I will also throw in here as a highlight. My favorite, like, I love the world according to Jeff Goldblum that came back. There's five, first five episodes of the second season is out there, and it's a Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum exploring the world, which is always hilarious to watch. So I'll throw that in there. And Stanko, give me some other uh, Disney Plus highlights for you. Uh, well, for one, the, the number one Disney Plus highlight for me is the Beatles documentary, Get Back, that Peter Jackson made. This, guys, is, if you're, I mean, obviously you love it more if you're a Beatles fan, but as just a documentary experience to comb through hours, hundreds of hours of footage, and to put together nine hours of coherent, like, just coherent messaging about what the band is, how it grows, you get a sense of every individual person within the band, creating this last concert that they did on top of the roof for their last album. You'll learn so much about each character that you hear kind of through stories, but now to see it actually there, the fact they got all this on footage is insane. And then it's just put together like this, get back for me. It, it would take spots one, two, three, and four in Disney plus, because I was enthralled the entire time. It's a pity. It can't win an Oscar just from, just from the format standpoint, but get back is easily number one. Number two is kind of kind of like, I don't watch a ton of Disney Plus. I'll be honest with you. I watch some of the Star Wars stuff, watch the things I want to watch. Number two for me is a movie I enjoyed more than I thought I ever would. And that deserves to go to the Queen Emma Stone for, for making Cruella a movie that I enjoyed. I had no idea that I would enjoy Cruella as much as I did. Whenever she is prancing around in her dresses during a rock concert, I am all for it. The pop punk style of it is wonderful. The ending's not great, but still, the movie is enjoyable. I really enjoyed the short films that are on Disney Plus. This is going to be completely obscure to you guys, but Disney has a great short film collection and they've actually like, they've done like the spark collection. I think it's called where they have all these short films together that you can watch. I'm crying watching these movies on the bike. I'm like crying about raccoons developing a family <laughs> together in a tree hiding from coyotes. I don't know what's wrong with me emotionally, but it's connecting at my core. And there's one that's on the Oscar shortlist called us again, which is about an elderly couple discovering their love that they once had again, had me bawling. So like I, this is it's traumatic stuff, but these short animated films are just they're connecting with me in ways that I really, really never thought possible. Um, and then what? So I've got three things there in terms of other things I enjoyed on, on Disney Plus this year. I will give a shout out to, again, my queen, Emily Blunt for Jungle Cruise, because, again, it had better than any right to be like enjoyed it a lot, enjoyed it thoroughly. And also what I just watched this year, and I am late to the party, but I believe it's on Disney Plus. I just watched this year was Free Solo, uh, which was the documentary. I believe it won best documentary last year at the Oscars. I just got to watching it this year. And guys, you just got to watch it because it's insane. And the same director, Jimmy uh, Chin or Jimmy Chan, I believe, just also made 14 Peaks on Netflix, which I plan on checking out soon. Free Solo on Disney Plus is, is a remarkable thing. So those, so I believe the five I had, what were the five I had? I had the Get Back the Beatles. I had the short films that were really all sad and just tear at your heartstrings. Um, watch Us Again of those short films. It's incredible. I had Cruella, which I enjoyed more than I thought I ever would. I had The Jungle Cruise because Emily Blunt is queen. And then what was my number five? I just said my number five and I forgot my number five. The, um, free Solo. Solo. And, it's, and Free Solo because I'm a year behind on that, but I'm catching up. So don't yell at me. Hands up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can't watch everything all the time, but Free yeah. Solo. Excellent. Watch it. Yeah, for sure. And I think we did a pretty good job hitting most of the highlights because this is a very Marvel year on Disney Plus that was sort of that was the big headline here. A couple things I'll throw out here. Stanko, did you check out any of the Bad Batch on Disney Plus? I have not because I heard not great things. Also, to be fair, I have not watched all of Rebels yet. And so 
I want to finish watching Rebels before I watch Bad Batch in case there's crossover. I don't know if there is or not. There might not be, but I have not finished watching Rebels. Uh, I, so, will, I will say I watched Bad Batch with the Sky Guys here, obviously. So we covered the whole season throughout the year. If you want to go back to those packet, let's do it. It obviously comes bef- after Clone Wars, before Rebels. So there is no direct. Yeah, but, yeah there's, there is. So there's, there's no referencing at all. There's like no hints to like what Rebels is in the future. Like I won't. I won't appreciate Bad Batch more if I watch Rebels first. Uh, no, I will say there is one. Like they have the origin story of two Rebels characters in an ep, in, a, in a two parter on Bad Batch. Okay, so again, that's kind of like the thing I want to finish the show that came out first before the show that takes place first. But if it's not that connected, maybe not. Again, it's on my watch list. Um, it, but I've heard I heard the show was not as good as Clone Wars. It could never live up to the hype, especially the final season of Clone Wars. But yep. again, it's Star Wars, so. Yeah, I mean, it, Book of Boba Fett came out, and that lived up to the hype with the first episode. Yeah, we'll get to Book of Boba in a minute. I will throw out here, Sam, I don't know if you saw this either, much of the Bad Batch here, but the problem I had with it, and something the Sky Guys agree with me on, is that for me, the worst part of the show was the main five characters, where the stuff going on around them was more exciting, and the characters themselves never really developed into their own identities. And for me, I, my theory was that Filoni, the, the creator of Clone Wars, and a big part in the Mandoverse, said, I want to tell a story about what happens in the Star Wars universe after the fall of the Republic and in the early days of the Empire. And they say, we, we can't sell that. We sell toys. And they said, okay, we'll have these five super, super badass clones come in here. It's like, great, make the show. And then you have the merch, and then these guys don't develop at all. That's the problem with season one. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm still also behind on everything Star Wars, um, except for, of course, the Book of Boba Fett, because I pushed my priorities in a weird way. Um but uh you know i mean honestly the toy selling merch is like you they get so much money if you listen to um armchair expert with dax shepherd he talks about how much money his wife made just on toys alone for frozen yeah so like i mean i get it but like i understand the animosity all right i also sit out in the book of boba fett commentary because i already did the 54 minute podcast by with uh pete and nick the sky guys that's out in your fees i want right for this one so I'll give you you guys the floor here. What did you think about the premiere? Sam, I'll go to you first. Um, I thought it was awesome. <clears throat> I wasn't too sure what to think about. Uh, I don't like to eat my words anymore after my whole WandaVision fiasco. Uh, but I'm very interested to see where they take the entire show. Um, I know uh, what's his face. John Favreau is directing it again. So I know it's in good hands. Uh, I like I know that we were discussing, you know, before bringing back the whole Patton Oswalt thing from Parks and Rec. I forgot what season it was, you know, predicting what was going to happen. So I like that little tidbit. Um, but I, I don't know. I am a little I'm a little worried. I'm afraid that something's going to get lost in the storytelling and it's going to like, I don't know, affect the Mandalorian in some way. And I hold the Mandalorian at such a high a high tier of television. Yeah, Stanko, I know you wrote a whole blog post recapping the premiere, so you want to give me, like, the nugget version of that? I will. Um, again, wonderful blend of new stuff and nostalgia. Uh, Favreau, along with Filoni, but I don't think Filoni's as involved with this show uh, as Favreau is, but I never thought I wanted to learn more about the Tusken Raiders and the way they're the way their tribes operate, but now we know there's a chieftain and we know the kids can handle the print. Like it's delving into the stuff that we know, but delving deeper into it. That's what Favreau and Filoni have done so well with the Mandalorian. It gives you stuff you recognize, but it teaches you something new. 
I'm a little bit worried that the action wasn't as fluid as the Mandalorian. Um, I didn't think Robert Rodriguez did as well, as good of a job in the premiere as he did during the tragedy of season two of the Mandalorian when Boba Fett was kicking ass. But from the first episode of the book of Boba Fett, its main motif was Boba Fett is human. He needs a healing tank to get healthy. He can get beaten up. He is not a, a just a ruthless killing machine bounty hunter. He is human and he can get hurt. That was the biggest point of episode one was to kind of set that ground floor and give you some humanity to this mythological Star Wars essence that the fans have created in Boba Fett. They grounded him back to reality a little bit. So I'm curious to see how they expand upon that. And I share Sam's a little bit of pondering what they're going to do with the main story plot because they revealed nothing of that in the first episode. Only a couple names sprinkled in there, like the mayor of Mos Espa is going to play a part, but we didn't see that character. So what's the main plot going to be of the show? Though for a first series premiere episode, as a Star Wars fan, they did a good job. Yeah, again, I will throw a theory out there that Nick Friada mentioned in the pre in the Boba Fett preview show we did, and that they're definitely hiding something with this plot because their trailers oh, yeah. were very specific, and we got most stuff we got in episode one was stuff that came in the first trailers. So, like, I think the only scene we didn't really get was that meeting where they have the table, having the dinner, and Boba's at the head of the table. We don't really have that, but other than that, we got pretty much everything out of the trailers in episode one. So, maybe to that point, maybe that's why episode one felt a little underwhelming because we've seen most of it already. Yeah, there's something's going to happen midway through the season, which is going to throw it all on his head. So we'll see come episode four or five what that big twist is going to be. Yeah, and, and I will throw a preview for the end of the show where we talk about the uh, cards coming in 2022. There's going to be a lot of Star Wars in 2022 with all the shows coming. That's going to be very exciting. There is. It's more homework. Guys, <laughs> I'm tired of homework. So much watching TV things. watching. I'm tired of it. Hey. It's going to be great. It's just why what are you this- talking about, Stanko? It's going to be great. Well, the thing is with the Star Wars stuff, I've watched most of it. I'm ahead on that homework. I'm ahead of the syllabus. The Marvel stuff, I fell behind, and now there's so much I can't catch up on it. I'm like a I'm kid cramming in high school for that final, but I only went to class the first two weeks, and catching up, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, the Star point, Wars, at least I'm ahead of the curve. The point I'll, I'll say to you, Stanko, is this. I think that most of these shows... I think are not essential viewing for the MCU, in my opinion, because the way I view it as, I know you were a big comic book guy as a kid, correct? Uh, I just, I knew the stories of the comic books. Unfortunately, so, my mom never let me read them. Yeah, but like the, the ones you've read, like you've seen sometimes yeah. where they have the panel, where they have the characters talking and they say, oh, like, remember when I did this? They put the asterisk and say, read these books if you want to see, yeah. see what happened. That's kind of how I'm viewing the Disney Plus shows because it's like sort of like they're the stuff in the asterisk where it's fun to see it, but you do not need it for the main thread of the movies. Hawkeye is the one exception because it involves a mantle potentially changing. But other than that, I think the rest of them are kind of like, you don't need to watch it, but they are enjoyable if you get to them. I would say I've heard that Loki is essential to Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie with the multiverse implications. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, also the last <laughs> episode, vague. the last episode of WandaVision, I highly suggest you watch, skip everything else. The recap will tell you everything that happened. That's, Another thing about watching things online, they give you the whole entire recap of every single episode that came before it. So watch the recap, watch that episode, and it also pulls into like other things that explains like everything with Spider-Man. And you missed the joy of Catherine Haas' performance on that show. She was oh, like, she's amazing. And I heard that she's going to be more and more in the Marvel Universe. Yes, she is. She's so cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get to Sanko's favorite part of the program here, the movies. So... Since you, do you, would you like to go first? Or you'd like to go last and have us lead off. Uh, I mean, I mean, tell me where you want to go, Mike. Tell me, tell me how you want to direct this because you know I can talk too much. So give me some guidance. I feel like I feel like you gotta be the be the the hammer who closes this out here. So 
We'll go to okay. Sam first. Sam, what are your top five movies of the year? All right. So fun fact, everyone. I'm like, what movies have I watched in 2021? I'm not going to lie to the two of you. The first movie that I have seen in 2021 in theaters was Spider-Man. Now, that is a little bit of a spoiler. So I'm just going to let that out there first. So my first one I'm going to put up there, it was like my least, it was my favorite, but least favorite of my top five is Don't Look Up. Uh, that one was very an interesting commentary of this world that we live in now uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Timothy Chalamet. Um, I did also um, enjoy Dune. I know that like that's like my, you know, top five split. Um, I really did enjoy being the Ricardos. I know that was more of a streaming one on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you guys seen that one yet. That was another very interesting look of Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo uh, with I Love Lucy. They took a very specific time in Lucille Ball's life and they uh, expanded on it greatly. Uh, I don't know if you guys are very familiar with her life, uh, but she's a very interesting individual. Um, it's an Alan Sorkin movie. So it's very like, you can honestly just put your headphones in, walk away and just listen to the whole movie because that's just who he is. Very just dialogue. Um, I have... Uh, Encanto on Disney that I know that was also on Disney plus now, but it was released in theaters. I don't know if you guys have seen that one either. That was a very surprisingly good movie for me. Uh, like I said, I haven't hit a lot of movies this year, uh, but it was, I don't know. I literally cried through the entire thing. I'm not a big crier. And I was like crying the entire time. Uh, that one's about a family uh, up in Colombia who has special powers to this magical candle and everybody gets a certain power when they grow up. And it's about this one girl who just wants to help out her family and just try to be like a good person and help. And then she encounters issues along the way. Um, my second favorite, uh, which was a freaking amazing movie was The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock. I don't know if you've seen that one. Uh, that's uh, streaming on Netflix. Uh, another sad one, it's just, it's not depressing, but. Uh, it's an amazing story about a woman who gets out of jail, uh, who just wants to see her sister again. And you follow her story. I don't want to spoil too much. And my number one, we're not surprised, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, again, saw that in theaters, cried just sitting in the seat, basically, because I have not been in the theater since 2019. Uh, so that was just a surreal thing, just being able to back to see something on a large screen uh, that got me emotional already. Uh, that whole movie made me uh, um, emotional. Uh, that was amazing. I had nothing but good things to say about it. I don't know if it's clouded by the fact that I haven't been to the movies in so long, but uh, I won't digress any farther. Sorry if I'm a long-winded human. <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw in two honorable mentions of mine. Like In the Heights like from HBO Max and was in theaters. I love that movie. Best musical movie I've seen this year. That was phenomenal. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, I liked that a lot more than I know Stanko did and a couple other people did, but I think I enjoyed the movie. They did a good job with the origin. The ending is a little messy, but I did enjoy the ride. And top five for me, number one is King Richard. That's my favorite movie I've seen this year. Will Smith's performance was phenomenal. I think he should win the Oscar for that. I'm a bit, Obviously, I think I'm a little biased. I'm a big tennis guy, so I'm no best in the story of Vince and Serena Williams. So seeing that perspective of it was definitely a lot of fun. Dune's up there, number two. Obviously, incredible achievement. Movie making Stank and I talked all about this. I'm sure it's in his top five, not to spoil that one. Number three, Spider-Man No Way Home. And I have to say, my concerns that Stank and I had, they 
a lead in very quickly. I was very excited watching it, and I think they did a tremendous job. I think it's an excellent movie. They make you care about characters you have no business caring about. They did a lot of great things. The story is very true to the mythos of Spider-Man What's and who Peter Parker is. I'll leave it at that. Number four, The Suicide Squad. I love that movie. James Gunn killed it with those characters. And the first one was such an abomination. He made this one incredible. And number five, this is a stealth bomber pick for me. Which is, I was surprised it made the list. I thought back, I just remembered so much. A Quiet Place Part 2. I did not think that they would do as well with the follow-up to it as they did. But they did an excellent job giving you a sensible take on that movie. So those are my top five. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with that. Quiet Place Part 2, again, looking back on 2021, I forget how much I enjoyed that when I first saw it. Again, it's a sequel. It's just kind of you're revisiting a familiar thing, but they did do a really good job recapturing what made the first one so good and giving some new characters some shine. So I agree with you on that one. Very surprised that King Richard is your favorite movie of the year, Mike, but it was very, very good. So I understand that. All right, what about your top five? Um... Well, first of all, we should all mention that Taylor Swift's short film All Too Well came out this year. And that is, guys, just the crowning achievement (laughs) in all of cinematic history. So let's just begin with that. But moving on from there, um, I've already mentioned most of the movies that are in my top five. Um, For you guys not watching a lot of movies, you guys are ahead of me on some stuff this year. So, like, I still need to watch a look up on Netflix, like, don't look up. I haven't gotten to it yet. And the Ricardos as well. Uh, But again, both on my list to watch shortly. Number five, though, I'm going to go with the movie theater experience. I won't forget with the franchise I love. No Time to Die, the James Bond movie with Daniel Craig. Had a great time in the movie theater watching it. It follows the pattern that Daniel Craig has had of, of good, bad, good, bad, good. This one was considered one of the good. Doesn't matter if you kind of know the ending's coming. It hits you with the emotional punch. Um, Daniel Craig is wonderful. The action is top notch. It's just a great movie theater experience. And if you love the franchise, you will love this movie. It sends off Daniel Craig. Uh, probably my favorite Bond, just because I grew up with him. Uh, it sends him off in the right way. Um, number four, I'm going to mention Tick, Tick, Boom. Me and Samurai talked about this. Uh, movie just better than better than any right to be. Lin, Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he's not in front of the camera, is so talented at what he does. Again, really good entertainer. Way more talented than I am. Admittedly, not the best actor. And he's in movies. We won't talk about his dark materials, or if that's the name of it, just bad. But... Tick, tick, boom, him directing it. Wonderful touch. Um, Power of the Dog is probably my number three movie of the year, even though it's probably the second best or arguably the best. The ending to this movie, I was on the train watching it, and I am just, people around me must have wanted to pick my job off the floor because it was just so evil and so wonderful. Um, It left you just wanting to read more about it and what people thought. Number two is a movie theater experience for me. Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho a movie I really, really expected to like, but not love. And I loved this movie. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is incredible. Matt Smith is great. This whole entire movie is a vibe. The songs in it are incredible. And it's so wonderfully made. And I'm an Edgar Wright fan and everything he does. But this movie, frankly, it would be among one of the best five movies I've watched this year, whether it be favorite or just best. And it's in both. And then Mikey mentioned number one, Dune. You know, I've been looking forward to this movie for years. It delivered in every single facet of it. The fact that I read the book too, to actually know where the story was going and to give more context to what Denny Villeneuve was able to do, crunching that book into this screenplay. For me, it should win best adapted screenplay for everything it had to do with giving everyone the exposition it needed. Dune, beautiful in every sense of the word. That's my number one movie of the year. Honorable mentions, King Richard, 
and the Suicide Squad that you mentioned as well. Enjoyed those more than I thought I would, especially Suicide Squad. Me not being the biggest Guardians fan, wasn't sure James Gunn could do it. He did it with Suicide Squad. Really, really loved it. Yeah, I'll throw before we move off in the movie, I'll throw out two big picture ones that were pretty bad. I'm going to throw this out here in terms of like the content wise, in terms of how we did the grades here. I think in terms of this one, also had some problems with production hell in terms of the COVID and all that. Black Widow was not as good as it should have been. It was bad. Yeah. Like, don't bring that up with Stanko around. He hated it. He didn't Black like it. Widow. I'm sorry. Like, I, it's just, I again, I don't, I didn't love Shang-Chi, but I like Shang-Chi. I get it. I didn't like the finale of it, but as a movie as a whole, I think back on it fondly. There are parts of it that I would rewatch. There is nothing about Black Widow that I'll revisit. I love Florence Pugh. Still wouldn't rewatch a single second of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should watch Hawkeye then and see Florence Pugh there. You're right. I should watch Hawkeye because, again, <laughs> I've heard good things about it, but it, it didn't make me enthused for her character for that for, I mean, sorry, Scarlett Johansson. I just didn't care about Black Widow at all during this movie. Yeah. And Florence Pugh is, I think is a lot better in, in Hawkeye than she is in, her, in that movie. She's the best part of Black she's Widow. The, yeah. She was my favorite part of Black Widow, hands down. Yeah. And I'll throw another one out here. Sam, you got to talk about this in the podcast. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Woof. Oh, what a disappointment. And there was no <laughs> Bill Murray. Like, it was a crappy movie, and there was no Bill Murray, so it was extra crappy. I have not watched that since, and I don't think I'll ever rewatch it again. I was on a play ride home uh, from um, like with my summer vacation, and I was like, "Yeah, Space Jam. This is gonna be the best like two hours of my life, or almost two hours of my life." I'm like, this was the worst two hours of my life. I can't believe I sat through this. And sitting with it more just makes me more mad. Stanko, you want to weigh in? Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. It was awful. It was an abysmal waste of an hour and a half. Just the most the Warner Brother commercial of all time. Insane. <laughs> like, it, it makes no sense to me how this movie got made. It's because it had LeBron, LeBron James, and that's the only reason why. Though, in terms of being a meta movie that is self-referential, have you guys seen the new Matrix movie yet? It's no, on my list. I've not gotten there list. yet. I'm curious for your thoughts when you watch it because it is also very meta, but it goes about it in a very different way and it is polarizing to say the least. So we'll be curious what you guys think of that too. Cause space jam legacy might not be the most meta movie of 2021. If you watch matrix resurrection. Right. So I'm glad that- you guys brought up a uh, suicide squad though. And I do uh, as in 2021 want to recognize uh James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, who is doing the CGI for literally everything his older brother makes him do. So I just want to like give him props. I know he doesn't care, but like he was the weasel. He was um, Rocket's body and Guardians of the Galaxy. Like this guy is like, oh yeah, my older brother made me do this kind of deal. And I think it's the funniest thing ever. He's always like this weird character. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I, that's like one of my I favorite tidbits. It's a, like my favorite tidbit of movie like trivia that he's like doing all like the green screen stuff yeah. for like his am- animated characters. All right, let's move on here real quick. A couple of streaming things that we sort of slipped, slipped through the wire here because they've on networks didn't really have a ton going on here. Uh, Sam, I know you're a big Ted Lasso fan. Stank, are you into Ted Lasso? No, I have not watched Ted Lasso. Apple TV Plus is my kryptonite, guys. Haven't watched a lot of Apple TV Plus. So, Sam, you might be the Ted Lasso person here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I have a million things to talk about. I won't go into a million things, but Ted Lasso is definitely one of it. Um, It is uh, surprisingly good. It's very easy to watch. Um, It is also very wholesome and funny. Uh, I love Jason Sudeikis, so that's kind of like maybe like 
I just started on an extra level up. Uh, but everything that they do in the show is, I don't know. I just, it's something I would never think about. And it's, it, it's wholesome. It has like the gritty drama as well as like, you know, like the comedy as well. It like embodies multiple types of drama for television shows for me at least. And it Im- involves football or like soccer. So, you know, like it's a sports show, it's a family show, it's a comedy show. Like it, it it's just like very different type of television that we're used to seeing. So I, I really enjoy it. Interesting. So good to know on the Ted Lasso front and Stank, I'll throw another show at you. I don't know if you watch it. Did you ever watch Only Murders in the Building? No. Is that the one with Steve Martin yes. and uh, Martin, Martin Short. Short? Martin Short and, and Selena Gomez? I was going to say <laughs> Selena Gomez. Um, yeah, no, I have not watched that. That's on Hulu, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a Hulu yes. original. It's- I've I've heard it's good. I I just haven't I haven't watched it. I can't picture Selena Gomez with those two comedy legends, but I've heard it works. It works very well. Just to give you the basic premise of the show, like there these three play characters who live in a built in a stodgy building in Manhattan. They're big true crime fanatics. There's a murder in their building, and they decide to start their own podcast and investigate the murder. And hilarity ensues. You have a lot of great guest cast on there. Tina Fey's recurring character. Sting has a memorable one episode arc in the show. It's so fun. Okay. It's a great. It's a great twists and turns, and they set up nicely for season two. So it was a fun ride. Probably one of the most fun things I've watched all year. Only murders in the building. They also do a great episode. Um, I'm not giving anything away. One character does is death. Yes. And they do an amazing episode of like experiencing life as somebody who couldn't hear. So if you watch the show, you'll understand it more. But I, I'm not too sure if they're nominated for anything, but that episode will go down in history in my mind of one of the best episodes of television. Yeah, they found way it's been basically, I think it's a 33 minute episode. I think there's only one lot of actual spoken dialogue in the entire episode. So that's something that we definitely catch your interest in because you have to execute that. Yeah, and it forces you to pay attention too when it's a movie like that or when it when it's an episode like that. Yeah, it was a, and it was a lot of twists and turns in the story, a lot of fun. And a fun little fact nugget here is like, I don't know if Sam, if you noticed this, but like sometimes I happen to pause when they put the title screen of their podcast on the uh, graphic there. When you pause it on the, on the who is the exact time spot where the, where the, where the thing is paused. Oh, no way. That's so cool. I haven't said, I didn't know that. So like they'll put the t- title graphic up like episode nine, like, so uh, like five minutes, 17 seconds. You pause it on who is actually five minutes, 17 seconds into the episode. Oh, that's so cool. It's a lot of fun. And Stank, I, I shoot this to the top of your must watch list. Okay. Listen, I, I'm a fan of uh, Steve Martin. I mean, he's an all-time classic. And I, Selena Gomez, again, acting with him, I think, is what's going to bring me into it because I don't expect a, a young Disney actress to be with those two comedy shops. But to be fair, Vanessa Hudgens was great in Tick, Tick, Boom. Didn't expect her to be in there and be phenomenal. So you know what? I got to give Selena Gomez a shot. All right. Let's do a little wrap-up here. So I'm going to throw something I didn't, like an unannounced twist at you guys here. So of all the things we talked about, and you had to tell a random person on the street here, you have to watch these five things to best encapsulate 2021. What are you picking here? Interesting. To best mm. encapsulate 2021? Yeah, like if you're going to get the year 2021, what five things do you have to watch? That's a hard one, dude. I have I my think- list if you want an idea of how I did this. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> okay. All right, so my list here. You have to have Squid Game. You think you're going to get all the memes. You're going to get all the references. Squid Game is probably the number one thing coming out of this year. I think Only Murders in the Building is on that list also. I think, again, that trio, there's a lot of fun niches here. I think that's in there. 
White Lotus, I think, in terms of HBO stuff, I think that's the most like transferable into next year. I think that's the most common one. I think Spider-Man No Way Home is just it's gonna be the movie that everybody talked about in 2021. I think everybody's gonna have an opinion on it one way or the other. And my last one, just because it's so out there and Stan is gonna hate this, WandaVision. I, I don't hate it. You guys can like what you like. It's yeah. just it's entertainment. Stanko, we is care subjective. about your we care about your opinion, Stanko, and your approval. Come on. You don't need my approval. Enjoy what we you like. I want your approval. <laughs> Um, I'm going to definitely, I love those ones. I'm going to add, uh, I'm definitely adding reservation dogs. Yeah. Uh, it's uh Taika's, uh, television show on FX. Uh, it's about kids who live on a, uh, like an Indian reservation. That's what they call it. Um, and it's about a group of kids living in what it is now. And it's a really great view of what it's like. It's, it's something we don't normally get. It's funny. It, it talks about real things. Um, and I'm also going to add, you know, I, of course I'll add Ted Lasso and then I won't speak any, up anymore about Ted Lasso because I did such a great job talking about it earlier. Uh, but I'm also going to add Dope Sick also on Hulu. That one, I'm not fully through with it yet because it's like I want to take my time to watch it. That show talking about the um, pandemic with like addiction and oxycontin and everything like um you know opioids and everything it, i was like i literally okay i have issues with paying attention i don't know if anyone else does i have a little bit of an add issue uh so i'll like not pay attention for a while on my phone and go back i am like staring at this screen just curious of you know what's gonna happen and everything um so that one's another important thing like i think that would really encompass uh 2021 as a whole um and it's crazy like it's like all about big pharma and everything and about the purdue purdue farmer uh specifically and how we've ruined rural america with it it's crazy and also michael keaton's in it he's fun (laughs) all right stanko i want to add anything to the list for me you definitely have to add dune because i think that's going to be the next huge franchise to go off in movies in terms of people examining the lore of it and how deep that can go because that can go as deeper, deeper than Game of Thrones. Uh, now it's a movie, not a TV show, so it doesn't generate as much conversation naturally. But for me, Dune would be on there. I think The Beatles Get Back would be on there to encapsulate 2021 because that documentary shows people in a room together nonstop for a month, practicing and doing something that they think they love, but maybe falling out of love with it. And people during COVID, they're trapped inside. They're doing things they think they love, but then they're falling in love with it because they're doing it nonstop. And it's it's an interesting look at how relationships contained, can change when you're forced in isolation with one another. And I think that's just something that society can look at as a whole with COVID and everything like that. Everyone can kind of connect with that. Um, so it's one of those things where, yeah, sure, the footage came from the 70s, but it could still be very relevant today, 50 years later. Um, so I would do that. I will, you know what? You're going to hate me. You're going to think you're going to think I'm an idiot, but I would put red notice on this list to watch, to show people (laughs) what entertainment has become and people watching the filth that is certain movies. Unfortunately, that's probably going to be the most watched thing on Netflix this year is red notice besides squid games. Maybe those might be number one and number two. And I think squid game is, is the right thing to put on there, Mike, but in terms of a movie sense for what pop culture was like and getting invested in something, Red Notice is that from the movie side on Netflix, how dominant that industry is and that business is. And then listen, 
we can't end here without talking about my queen, the all too well short film by Taylor Swift. She released her album over quote parentheses, Taylor's version and rocked the world forever. She's still doing it in my mind. She literally reinvented the music industry and is making boatloads of money just re-recording songs that she made before. And she created a short film that made me cry weepingly on a train in front of a grown woman. So you know what? All too well short film. It shows how Taylor Swift still has the gusto. She still has the power in culture. And guess what? She's now multi-talented. She's doing all these things. Watch all too well the short film. Listen to Red Taylor's version because she's still managing to, to uplift and just change the music landscape while recording old songs. So wait, 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 time out. Because my roommate bows from Mackenzie. I, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I never liked Taylor Swift. Never liked her. Okay, time out. There's a whole story going on here. You're fine. So, you can like who you like. No, no, no. But sophomore year of college, Red comes out and she plays it every day. All too well. I'm not going to lie. It's like one of my favorite songs. So, and I was telling her about our, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting ready for my pop culture and your review with Mike and Stanko. I'm so excited. She goes, are you going to talk about Taylor Swift? I was like, no, Mackenzie, I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift, but you know, who's going to talk about Taylor Swift? Stanko. And I was getting nervous that you were not going to include lovely T Swift there, but I'm not going to lie. I did also thoroughly enjoy her re-released album. Um, I really enjoyed the all too well thing as well. Uh, she is very talented. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of her music all the time, but she's still very talented. And I think she, you know, she's brilliant and everything, especially in folklore. I wasn't the biggest fan, but I, I can respect all that stuff. But oh my God, it was so sad. I was like, oh my God. Like, and also brings you back to when you were first originally. Yeah, when you fell in love with her. Yeah, exactly. It was crazy. But I'm so, so I just have to say thank you on behalf of Mackenzie. For yes, including T-Swift. I, <laughs> I mean, and listen, I don't think we're the biggest music people here on this podcast, but also there's yeah. Mini Me Taylor Swift, known by Olivia Rodrigo, who had a hell of a 2021. Yes. And she's coming up. And she is Taylor Swift Mini Me version. So be ready, world. All right. Mike Phillips is like, I've lost control of this podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's go ahead now. It says for in the MVPs here, who is the pop culture MVP of 2022? Stan, who you're picking Taylor Swift. And she would definitely be on the short lists of it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, she's up there as well. I also think you just you have to put Marvel as the MVP of 2021. Even though I am not the biggest Marvel guy, you cannot deny that their TV shows uh, created a steady wave of entertainment throughout the year, whether their quality was high or not. And also it capped off 2021 with Spider with the Spider-Man movie that everyone was looking forward to and broke box office records and had a trailer that broke the internet even as someone who's not the biggest Marvel fan, you cannot deny that they had the grip on culture this year, much like how Star Wars may have it next year with all their shows coming out and all their content. This year it was Marvel. They have to get the MVP. Even though I wouldn't have voted for them, they should be the winner. Uh, Sam, who's your MVP for 2021? Uh, well, uh, can't follow Stanko because my MVP was literally Marvel. I can show you my notes uh, because literally they encompassed all of 2021 they what they left out one or two months out of the 12 month span they didn't have content for but like they you know they really utilized their streaming service they did all this extra stuff they you know they, like on disney plus day we got all these movies like jungle cruise uh shang chi um but i also i'm gonna throw out uh taika watiti on there as well i feel like he produced and put out a very important 
television this year. I know I'm going back to Reservation Dogs, but also what we do in these shadows as well. He's very funny. He gives a different perspective of comedy as well because I had to throw in something else because Stanko stole Marvel. So, you know, I'm just going to sit here. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'll just be sad about it till 2022. Uh, runner up Jeopardy, because I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jeopardy got more talk this year than I could ever remember. And they should also get co They would be runner up MVP in my list if we're doing runner ups. Yeah, I'm going to give a MVP. Uh, Marvel, I think, is the correct answer. But for variety's sake, I'm going to go HBO just because this is not their typical year where they had Game of Thrones, Westworld. Like they had some of their like. I know they had Curve, I know they had Succession, but they developed a bunch of new shows and products on HBO Max that really hit. I mean, when you came into this year, you would not have said, oh, Mayor of Easttown and White Lords be two of the biggest things in 2021, and they both went off huge. I mean, you got Emmy wins from Mayor of Easttown. White Lotus got people's attention. You got the Snyder Con on HBO Max. You got all the movies on HBO Max. This is a good year for HBO. Yeah, and they're also going to be doing the reunions too, which reunions, I guess, are also an MVP because they're driving just basically, you know, throwback vibes for people and they're just bringing in views and subscribers and whatever. And like, which I think is important. Like, yeah, friends, the friends reunion wasn't that great, but did everybody, not everybody, but majority of people watch it. Yes. Will I be watching uh, the Harry Potter reunion literally when the clock strikes midnight on the new year? Yes, I will. Will I like it? Who knows? But I'm going in there with a positive attitude. So I feel like definitely you have something going there with that, Mike, with HBO. I will say also uh, the honorable mention is Oprah because she got interviews with Prince, with Harry and Meghan and Adele in the same year. So great year for Oprah. <laughs> oh, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, Oprah didn't need to win 2021. She got, she, she still did. That's true. She was, uh, she was a sleeper yeah. in this. Now let's go have some fun here. Who was the LVP? Who really bombed 2021? I think that's a tough question to answer. Because there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Outgoing political. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Or sports. I mean, I have Legends of the Hidden Temple as my LVP because I'm still upset about it. I'm upset about Legends. I'm upset about Space Jam. I'm upset about like movies that I wanted to like and I didn't like or television shows I wanted to like and I didn't like, you know? So, I mean, I could just start us off on that platform. We could dive off from there. All right, so if you had to pick one, who would you go with? Definitely Legends of the Hidden Temple. I'm still upset. I would try to watch the second episode and I couldn't do it. Then I tried to watch the third and I couldn't finish it either. It was so bad. Yeah, Stanko, you're a big Legends of the Hidden Temple kid. I never watched a single episode of that as a kid. I had never heard of it. I just, I knew I... Never. Nope. I was made. I'm still being made fun of at work for not having a childhood. And this was part of me not having a childhood. I never watched a single episode. Yeah. Well, the show is a cult classic and the CW revived it and ruined it by stretching it out to an hour and cutting the teams down. And then just having it be reality TV style. We're hearing from confessionals and the teens that we only see for an hour and never hear from again. So they waste this pad the hour and don't give you enough content. Listen, people want, people want to make money any which way they can. So I, that that does stink. I mean, especially for people who held it in such high regard. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give mine to LeBron James because the fact that LeBron had I mean, you assume he had career control over Space Jam two and he signed off on that crap. That automatically yeah. gets you an LVP point because there's no way LeBron goes to that movie get into theater without his stamp approval. Okay, I mean, I guess that's fair. You could also say he's the least valuable player for for selecting the players he has currently around him on the Lakers too. So that can go on multiple fronts. <laughs> 
<laughs> Multi-prong LVP. Yeah. Yeah, LeBron, LeBron, I think, was the easy choice. Yep. The other one would be the Tiger King phenomenon for me, just because we st- we didn't need Tiger King to, like, Sam and I summed the entire season up in 20 minutes on our podcast, and they didn't need Doc, a Doc Antle three-episode series. This thing is dead. It was a COVID phenomenon. Nobody cares anymore. There's just a lot of bad going on this year, I feel like. You know what I mean? It's just like people trying to revive things. Like, this is another reason why I'm nervous about all these season twos that are supposed to come out. That, like, you know, it's just going to turn into my LVP of 2022. Yeah, Stanko, who is your LVP? I'm trying to, to pin this down in my head. And part of me wants to say it's just Warner Brothers in general for creating Space Jam Legacy, like you said, and pushing their own agenda so hard and so insanely that it was not even trying to be subtle. It was just bashing you over the head. Um, I don't want to say original content is not a is not an LVP because Squid Games was original and that was a phenomenon for the year. So as much as like Marvel and that kind of universe took over and the idea of original content seems dead a bit. Um, I think the least valuable player besides Gal Gadot and her terrible acting and what's, what's transpired this year. Um, I think it's franchises coming to a halt. And I guess trying to explain like the fast nine came out this year and fast franchise is a monster billions of dollars. One of the biggest, most popular franchises of all time. Fast nine was a whimper and it was bad. And people did not like it, and they didn't talk about it after the fact. Vin Diesel and The Rock are fighting, so that franchise is down the tubes. We had The Conjuring release a movie. Not good. Bad. That franchise also hit the tubes. Star Wars. Down year for that, I would say, in general as well. Book of Old Fett just came out. We'll see how that goes. But again, no massive thing carrying that sort of enterprise there. I think big, big tentpole franchises took a little bit of a step down this year. So I think them as a whole would be my least valuable thing with the only thing that kept the status quo being Marvel. But with that being said, I don't think Marvel had anything this year that people were like, you have to watch this besides the latest Spider-Man movie. Or if you like Marvel, you had things to keep you entertained, which is why they were the MVP, but also they lost in a way because they didn't push the envelope in creating a new cultural phenomenon that everyone had to check out at the exact same time. That was Squid Game this year that that took place and stuff like that. So I think it was kind of the rise of new IP coming up a little bit, but also just big tenhole, big tenhole uh, franchises not rising to the to the void that was out there in the universe to fill. Feige was the only one who filled it. He didn't fill it with his A-plus stuff from what I've heard. Um, but with that being said, Feige may come back with the surgeons, but I think 2022, when that comes out, there's going to be more tentpole stuff. There's going to be more massive franchises coming back out of the woodwork. Lord of the Rings coming back out with their massive franchise. Star Wars coming out with more stuff and Marvel coming out with more movies. It's going to be back to that kind of massive tentpole franchises rising up again. I'll also point out here before we move on here, I think in terms of the Marvel, like must see things, WandaVision beginning of the year was that way where everybody's like, oh, you have to see what's happening here. What's going on at this show? What's going on at this episode? Like, they were that big. It was WandaVision and Spider-Man No Way Home. Nothing else came close to that level of uh, pop culture hype in terms of Marvel. And honorable mention-wise, I think we got to throw Mike Richards and Chris Harrison in there. Both of them were blue 2021. Yeah, so let's just say ABC reality or game shows took a hit in yeah. terms yeah. of public relation nightmares. Yes. Yeah, they were not good. Not good. Time to read I mean, like, also, like, if you're looking forward to that, like, there's so many, like franchises on the chopping block for 2022 i know i'm looking ahead but like harry potter's gonna be on that chopping block phase too and i'm the biggest gosh darn harry potter fan ever 
Uh, so like, you know, we have this reunion coming up, which I'm not, you know, I'm just, again, positive. I'm probably, it's, I'm, I'm not going to chalk it up to anything, but we have the Dumbledore movie coming out as well. So I feel like, you know, this time next year, we're going to be talking about the other franchises that have taken a fall from grace. Cause I'm sure there's going to be a quite a few. Yeah. Let's get to 2022 stuff here. And I'll touch on that movie first, typically the, the Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore is coming out. And again, that's another, it's sort of like Mad Badge where like we just use this one character. It's like, oh, I want to tell a story about the past of Harry Potter. But we have to use this one character as barely a marginal relation to the plot after the first movie just to tell a wizarding war story. To me, it's just like, ugh. Ugh, no, the first, the those two movies were, oh, I did not enjoy them it's, at all. So ugh. like, I'm just grasping at straws because I've, you know, I started reading the books when I was five years old. Yeah. I was smart then. So like I was like reading Harry Potter when I was five. So I've been like very invested in it. So I always give it a chance, but I'm nervous, Mike and yeah. Stanko. I'm yeah. nervous. I remember Stanko, we did the movies. I think the movies of the decade. I think you had Crimes of Grindelwald in the worst 10 movies you've seen that in the, in the 2010s. I don't remember anything from that movie. Nothing about that movie sticks in my it, head. It was except bad. For the fact, I know I didn't enjoy it at all. I saw it, it was bad. I like I watched the new trailer for the new one coming out and I'm trying to remember how it connects back to the movies that happened before it. And I, I just don't remember. And I, I only remember Salanders, right? That's yeah. Eddie Redmayne's character. His yeah. last name It's because a podcast I listen to makes fun of him for being the most boring main character in a movie franchise of all time. Yeah. Like that's the only thing I remember about these latest Harry Potter movies. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Maz Nicholson fan who has, I believe the new bad guy in, yeah. in the new one Yeah, you, and big fan of him, but still not excited for the movie at all. All right. So let's go look ahead to 2022. Some things to look forward to here. The Super Bowl halftime show this year is going to be Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and Kendrick Lamar. Stenko, what's your excitement level on a scale of one to 10? More than the weekend. I don't know what to <laughs> expect with all these stars coming out. I think it's going to be interesting how they mesh, mishmash this halftime show together. Uh, now, though, with Omicron and stuff, I'm going to be curious if there's going to be fans there to watch the halftime show as much as they would like, because we saw the weekends not have the impact it could because not as many fans were in there as you would have thought. Will that same thing happen this year now with the new rise? So granted, the NFL is throwing caution to the wind with their new protocols. So we'll see. But I, I am intrigued for this. They the NFL, the halftime shows say you never have enough culture. You never have enough of what the people want in it this year. They're giving it to them. Then it's going to be an experiment to see if it pays off. Yeah, Sam, we'll talk about this probably about a month or a half on the podcast and we do the Super Bowl halftime commercial wrap-up like we always do. I got to say, I'm worried with this one where the NFL, if you get bad press, we're going back to having old rock bands again. Yeah, hopefully we're not going to have any kind of mishap. But uh, you know what? I I feel like they're finally going to give us a little bit of leeway. Again, I'm not expecting much from this at all. I just learned to not just come in low and then you know be a little surprised. Uh, but hopefully they all mesh well, to be honest. Like, you know how sometimes we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the way they mesh yeah. it, it's like, why did you do it that way? So hopefully somebody who's in charge is going to do at Pep like the Pepsi halftime show will be okay. Yeah. Let's go to HBO. And I think I, ha I pulled some stuff here. I'll give you guys a chance to add here to the list of what we can look forward to this year. I stank of the Showtime series, like the series of Showtime Lakers looks like it's going to be either amazing or an epic train wreck. I'm curious to see which it is. Yeah, I mean, Adam McKay is, is at the forefront of it. It looks very comedic. The cast is awesome. They casted real basketball players to play the, certain members of the team, which is good because you kind of need that action to seem fluid. 
So I, I am excited for it. Um, as a Celtics fan, it's going to be interesting to watch the Showtime Lakers with this comedic kind of approach to it. I would like to see like a true, like Michael Jordan, the last dance esque documentary series uh, on the, the Lakers at this time, because I think the characters are fascinating enough based in a reality and not based in a comedic version of them um, where you didn't need to go this route, but it's hard not to trust McKay. I'm going to watch it because I'm a fan of the history of the NBA and what those Lakers meant uh, in terms of making the basketball kind of the, the showman sport it is now. So it does look pretty interesting. Yeah. Definitely I'll- watch. Don't look up first. And then say he's just not the same without Will Ferrell. Yeah. I feel like Will Ferrell brought some type of different comedy to it that he just doesn't bring anymore. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just so different than from what he's used to producing and making and writing. All right. Here's what else I got on the list here. Season two of White Lotus should be coming next year. Sounds like they got working on that. The Peacemaker spinoff from Suicide Squad is going to be coming on HBO Max starting January 13th. Stanko, are you excited for that? I am. Call, color me crazy, color me crazy, but John Cena as a peacemaker in the Suicide Squad may have been the best part of that movie. And we saw him in tidy whities during the movie. We're, from the previews, we're seeing him in tidy whities again, and guess what? I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah for sure. That one is on my list. I'm excited to start watching that one. Sam, do you remember the Staircase Murders case? Yes, that was a very interesting one. Yeah, HBO has a show on that coming out next year, a drama. In- interesting. We'll see how they, uh, yeah. how they dive, like, differentiate from the documentary all right that's coming up westworld season four is coming out next year so get the brain cells working stanko yeah you know how uh, sam mentioned how sometimes you can just watch uh video recaps of seasons and shows to get you primed and ready for the new upcoming stuff that's gonna be me with westworld mike i can't (laughs) watch the first three seasons again i'm going to watch seven different 20 minute summaries of the first three seasons still not understand enough of it yeah but i will be there for season four yeah, Sam, same same for you? Yeah, I've seen, you know, on TikTok, little spoilers of different things, nothing too crazy. So it looks very interesting. Um, but Sanko, if you're going to rewatch anything, just watch season one. That's like the all-time best. Classic. Season one of Westworld is great. It's so awesome. good. I've rewatched it like four times now. Yeah, I, I say watch the season one and watch the Akichita episode in season two. That's probably the yes, best episode of the then- entire show recap it because that's all especially season three deserves season three just watch the video and figure out what happened or don't you'll probably figure it out to be honest yeah all right and they have the game of thrones spinoffs are starting house of the dragon next year are you too hyped for it no (laughs) Uh, i i don't know man i i'm excited to see the budget for it i guess i i don't know i'm not optimistic that it's going to be good that's how bad the final season of Game of Thrones was. It ruined my hype for this series. Am I probably going to watch it? Yes, but I don't know if I'll be there opening night holding my breath for the episode to premiere. Yeah, and as Sam mentioned previously, the Harry Potter reunion, January 1st, HBO Max. I'll definitely be checking that out because I want to see if they do this better than the Friends reunion. I don't even know. Like, I don't know. Maybe because they're English, I feel like they have their shit together in comparison to like James Corden interviewing. Like, nobody wanted that shit. I'm sorry. I'm still yeah. upset about it. Yeah. But, um, like, not gonna lie. I love Rupert Grant. I've yeah. loved him since I first laid eyes on him in Sorcerer's Stone. So I'm very excited to see them. I'm just really excited to like just see what they talk about. Like, they, you know, they grew up together. I feel like they have a different dynamic. You know, like, like friends, they have never had the same you know, shitstorm or creative life that they have. I know I'm not 
phrasing it nicely. It's getting late, so. <laughs> yeah, Stanko, you have to keep uh, J.K. Rowling far away from that project. Seriously, she has nothing <laughs> to do with Harry Potter anymore. Talk about someone who may have been the least valuable player of 2021. May That's have been true. Rowling, yeah. Because she created arguably the most beloved universe in the last millennium, and now nobody associates with her at all. Yeah, not, even be- not even beloved, but she's just like, accept everyone, love everyone. Everybody's like, you know what I mean? Like everybody's a person. And then she comes out and says that crap. Like that's just, that made me so mad. Like, yeah. how can you say that? Like a kid who lived underneath the stairs is like, you know, oh, like, you know, you made somebody so loving. And then you told an entire generation of kids to accept one another. Right. And then you go and say that crap. Yeah. She gone. All right. Let's let's move on here. Hulu, two things I can throw out for this year. I see Only Murders in the Building Season 2. That's going to be coming. I'm excited for that one. And Sam, How I Met Your Father debuts on January 18th. So I'm going to give it a chance. Me too. I, I want to. I hope that they learn their lesson because I they ruined the, the How I Met Your Mother to the point that I never went back and watched it again. <laughs> I mean, I've read... Oh. It's so funny. I'll get to like season, I think it's like seven or eight, and then I'll just go back to season one. Because I'm like, I'm like, Mm-mm. like, because season one, season two, season three, they're very good. Um, season one's the best, but like, I don't know. It like the trailer looks good. I don't know. What did you think about the trailer? I was intrigued. It gave me enough. It was enough for me to go give it a shot. And Stanko, I see has an interesting face in the graphic. I don't know if he's ever watched this show. I, I, I haven't watched the trailer. I kind of refuse to. Uh, it was one of those things where I just don't think it needs to be made. So I stepped away from it when I saw it online. Yeah. All right. Well, I will give you the review on, on what I think of the first a couple episodes. See, what you, see, what you, see if you tell it's worth a watch. Sounds good. All right. Netflix, obviously, it's hard to tell because you they have stuff that's going to pop up out of nowhere and become amazing. But three things I'm going to point out here that I am intrigued to see what happens here. Umbrella Academy is back for season three next year. That's going to be good. The Midnight Club, the new Mike Flanagan projects are coming out around the hol- on Halloween, so I'm excited for that That's one. Awesome. Okay. But the number one thing next year is going to be Stranger Things 4. That is going to oh, be, yeah. the hype's going to be through the roof on that. Yeah, they just opened that store in uh, Times Square, too, the Stranger Things store. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they opened up a store. That's interesting. But yes, I, think- I, agree, with, I agree with you, Mike. Strange Season 4 is going to take over the internet for once it comes out. Yeah, I'm also excited for Umbrella Academy. Like, yeah, season two wasn't like the best, but like the season one one, like that first one was so great. Also, uh, what's his name? Gerard Way, the lead yep. singer of My Chemical Romance, wrote those things, which makes me laugh. I just think that's a fun tidbit. Yeah. All right. Disney Plus right now. I don't know about much of the original stuff apart from the Disney and the Marvel. The Marvel do first is the less interesting side this year. I think you got the Moon Knight Project Oscar Isaac in it. She-Hulk, and I think uh, Ruffalo is surprising his role in there. I think the Nick Fury show, Secret Invasion, at the end of the year. I know that there's also uh, Miss Marvel in here. So I think those are, I want to see what they look like for, I mean, obviously I'll watch them, but I want to see like if I'm going to be as hyped as I watch some of that stuff this year. Yeah, and uh, what's that movie coming out in um, January? Um, and the, the, the Morbius. I can yes, Morbius. I keep saying like some. I think of uh, Morbius. Jared, Jared Leto. Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbius with uh, what's the hell? Uh, Matrix. Yeah, Morpheus. 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 See, I yeah. get them like mixed Morpheus. up in my brain. Uh, no, that looks so dark and scary, but looks so cool. Yeah, it's got Jared Leto in it, so you know it's going to be weird in some way, shape, or form. That, and it's in the same timeline because Michael Keaton's uh, what's his face is in there too. Yeah, we're going to get Morbius, Venom, and Spider Man all in the same movie. 
That'd be fun. All right. And the Star Wars stuff, Stanko, this is going to be the year of Star Wars here on Disney Plus because they got so much stuff. We got six more episodes of the Book of Boba Fett, the Obi-Wan limited series, the Andor prequel series, the Rogue One, second season of Bad Batch coming, and it's set presumably Mando 3 by the end of the year. So if you want Star Wars, this is your year. Yeah, listen, there's plenty of Star Wars coming, and I, I'm excited for the Andor thing because I think that has the most, it has the least puppet strings on it. Like, yeah. it has the most freedom to kind of do what it wants yeah. and to create something of its own. So I'm excited for probably maybe the Andor season the most. Obviously, Obi-Wan, I'm going to watch every single second of it and love it and treasure it. Uh, but in terms of, I just want to touch back on the Marvel shows. I am excited for what Moon Knight can be. Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke in it. The trailer for me looked pretty good from the Disney con or whatever it was that they had where they showed a bunch of previews for the stuff upcoming. I think Moon Knight has a chance to be something that's different for Marvel. And I think that of the Marvel shows I'm most excited for. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to get to Mando 3 by the end of the year because obviously we know where Grogu went at the end of season two. And I'm curious to see what they, how they reinvent the show without him because you can't just bring him back. Like, oh, he finished training in like a year so. You got to see, like, is there any more of, like, him going to Mandalore and trying to, like, find off his quest to rule the planet or whatever? That's going to be, I'm intrigued to see that. Yeah, what's going to oh. happen to the Dark Saber? There's a lot of questions to be asked. Which is why, why is the Sky Guys, we did the rewatch of Rebels and Clone Wars. You got some backstory now to help us fill in plot holes. Mm-hmm. Smart right. idea. I mean, I'm just looking forward to see Hayden Christensen again. And I'm just, I'm, like, so excited. Yeah, and Stank, I don't know if you heard the pop the year the uh the clip show uh from the holiday special here. We played the debate that you we had in the Star Wars movie special where you and I were anti Hayden Christian Force Ghost and Nick and Pete were pro and Sam sided with them over us. Listen, everyone is <laughs> entitled to their own opinion. It's fine. Just ma'am, I respectfully disagree with yours. That's yeah. all I can say. I know. I was like, I didn't want to disagree because I was the odd man out. And now I'm still the odd man out yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. I'll point that out. And the movies, which is Stanko's favorite area here. I'm going to throw a bunch out here. So the Batman, probably the first I'm going to hype for. It's going to be in March. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with Idris Elba voicing Knuckles. going to be hilarious. They're going to have uh, the Fantastic Beast I mentioned. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Top Gun, Maverick. Lightyear. Minions, The Rise of Gru, Thor, Love, and Thunder, Spider-Man Across the Fire, which I think is Stanko's probably number one for next year. We're, we're very high up close. there. It's close. Yeah. Black Panther, we're kind of forever. I see how they, what they do without Chadwick Boseman. Creed 3, which I forgot about, that they were still making that. That's coming out. Is I, that really coming out next year? Yes, around Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I completely I mean, forgot about that one, too. Me, yeah. too. Yeah, no Stallone. It's going to be just Michael B. Jordan's uh, character in that movie. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. He's, he has enough charisma to carry yeah. it. Yeah. Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. And believe it or not, Avatar 2 is supposed to come out next year. What? It is. it is. Jake Sully is back, guys. Jake Sully is back. After 13 years. The Navi has it have been 13? Us. Yeah, it came out 2009, the original. Oh, my God. I feel old. Because I was reading up online. Apparently, a lot of the issue was they had to film underwater for big parts of 2 and 3. So, like, they had to wait for the technology to improve and do and train the actors how to hold their breath underwater for, like, seven minutes at a time. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's obscene. I, like, also was not excited for... I'm always excited for superhero movies, just yeah. blanket statement. Yeah. But I was not... I got so excited in the theater for Spider-Man, for Batman. Yeah. That is, like, going to be, like, you know, what they shot, of course, what I saw. 
looks like true Batman. Yeah. Like finally, like a true, like kind of like a, even darker than Heath Ledger's Batman. Or not Heath Ledger, sorry. Christian, Christian uh, Bale. What's his face? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. I keep saying Heath Ledger because of the Joker, but um, and we get the Penguin and we get the Riddler and we get uh, Catwoman. So it's just like so many extra stuff. Yeah, for sure. It looked incredible. I am stoked for the Batman. Stoked. Uh, yeah. Stanka, what are you stoked for this year in the movie world? There's a lot out there. You mentioned some of them. Um, I do want to mention the movie Nope, which is a new horror movie directed by Jordan Peele, which is coming out in the summer. He hasn't missed yet with Get Out and Us. So any horror movie that he's directing and writing, put me down for. I'm all aboard that. Uh, there's another movie coming out this summer, Bullet Train which stars Brad Pitt, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Zazie Beetz, Sandra Bullock. It's just an action movie that's taking place on a moving train involving assassins that's directed by the same director who made John Wick, and it stars Brad Pitt. I Just, yes, I am in line buying tickets now. I don't know what that movie is. There's barely any plot for it, but that's that premise of it sounds so interesting. And we got to keep an eye out for Tom Cruise this summer, guys, because Top Gun Maverick is coming out. And we have Mission Impossible 7 coming out. Sam, I don't care if you're not a big fan of Tom Cruise. I hate Tom Cruise. (laughs) He's going to deliver the blockbuster hits and the theme songs that you will be singing in your sleep. And so Tom Cruise is coming back with a vengeance this summer. And I am very excited. But in terms of individual movies coming out too, keep an eye out for The Northman coming out. A Viking revenge story that just basically sounds like a Shakespearean story of terror and demise and violence. And I am all aboard. That one I'm excited for too. That one sounds like a fun time. The well, trailer came for us. out. I watched it six times at work. I was told to stop watching it. I am so excited. Yeah. What? Um, I'm also excited for the Lost City. Have you seen that? It's gonna be stupid. Co again. It's gonna be with um, Is that the Channing Tatum. Uh... Yes, it's so dumb, but it's gonna be so good because I feel like they're and Daniel Radcliffe, Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt's yeah. even in it. So it's just like I was like I saw the the beginning with them talking like how the hell does Channing Tatum, Sandra Bullock, and Daniel Radcliffe fit together? I'm like this is gonna be garbage. And then I watched the trailer. I'm like this looks kind of funny. Also, I think isn't Magic Mike three coming out this year too? A new one with Channing Tatum. I'm pretty sure he's is making a new it? one. That's hilarious. I'm checking right now. Yeah, one this one thing is not coming out this year. Disappointed we had the delay. John Wick Chapter Four got pushed to 2023. No, when did that happen, Mike? Very recently. Boo! Oh, <laughs> uh, Magic Mike Three is twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, John Wick Chapter Four was pushed back le- this month to March twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. That's we can go see it for our birthdays. Yeah, it's a in week between me and Mike's birthday. It's really a week before my birthday is John Wick Four Chapter Four. And I'll watch all the John Wicks because I have not watched them yet. You need to. It's I'm saving it for a rainy day kind yeah. of deal. I would recommend it. Yeah, for sure. And with that, I think it's a good time to wrap it up here. I thank you guys for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Sam, how can you follow on social media? I'll give you what you're up to. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SDROS5 or 6 or whatever. Honestly, just Google Sam DeRose. You'll find me. But if you want to see my funniness on TikTok, I'm at Sam in sports. I'm pretty funny, uh, I like to think. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, John, I'll give you follow you on Twitter you what, with, your, with your writing over at Stanko Stance. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jstanko99 or head to stankostance.com. Got all my thoughts there. Stream of consciousness. It, it's just flowing. It's just nonstop. I did not know Sam was on TikTok. That's what I'm taking from this podcast. I'm <laughs> after this. 
Don't yep. judge. <laughs> yep, you guys will follow me on Twitter at mfellows331. As I mentioned, the Sky Guys podcast out here. I did college football playoff preview podcast. A lot of it already happened by the time this podcast is in your feeds. Be back next week. We're going to have another episode coming out here. We're going to do some college hoops talk with our good friend Troy Moriello. We'll do week 18 NFL picks. And Stanko, week 18 sounds so weird. Week 18 doesn't sound right, but guess what? That week 18 is going to have a lot of playoff implications, it sounds like. So at least it'll be interesting to watch. Well, not for my team or Sam's team. More, more for yours. You're right. You're <laughs> I wish I would say I could feel bad for you, but I don't. I feel zero, zero sorrow for you at all. Why? You should feel some sorrow for me. We lost to the Jets. Slash, we suck. Yeah, lost to the COVID-addled Jets, too, without what their head coach and 25 players. <laughs> it's fun being a Jaguars fan. Yeah. There's so much to look forward to. Yeah, so much (laughs) to do. And we'll definitely be doing this again next year. Until then, guys, have a good week. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.